Let's get sweaty. Happy New Year, and hope everyone had a great Christmas, at least as good as it can be during these trying times. I'm James Brown, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host Matt. How's it going, man? All good, James. How's it going? All good, my end as well. How was your Christmas? Quiet, I think, all things considered. It's pretty much all we could do. Definitely over eight, though. How was yours? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, same here. Mine was pretty quiet. You know, it's mainly for my, my daughter these days, Christmas uh, people asked me what I wanted for Christmas, and I said I, I don't, you know, don't worry about me. Just get something for Penny. So uh, you know, it was a blast seeing her wowed and opening all of her presents. Although she couldn't really completely understand what was going on, but I'm sure she had a, a great time ripping apart the paper. <laughs> <laughs> and every time there was a toy or something inside, you know, yeah. So it's that's that's really special. The first Christmas. It's a shame, obviously, during the current situation, she hasn't really seen anyone, but she still enjoyed it. You know, my mum and dad came round, and my wife's mum. So. We did manage to have a little bit of a Christmas thing going on. So anyways, we're here to do a Shenmue podcast. And for this episode, we want to go over a few of the more recent headlines and uh, then take a look back in time a little at Shenmue 3's Kickstarter with obviously the last of the final Kickstarter rewards already been sent out and arriving to everyone. There's been loads of great photos on Twitter and Facebook from fans. And so we thought that now they can finally draw a line under the Kickstarter. It'd be fun to go back and have a look at the Kickstarter page and make, you know maybe check out the promised rewards and see how the real items actually compare. We also wanted to get into the, the nitty-gritty and discuss how successful it all, all was and think about ways in which they could improve it for next time if in the unlikely scenario that you know Shemu 4 does decide to go down that route again. You know I can't see it happening, but it'd be interesting to, to have a look at the the actual Shemu 3 Kickstarter and uh, some of the things that we could improve or some of the things that they, they did well that, you know, hopefully could provide them with a little bit of feedback going forward. So first up, Matt, we're going to talk about some of the more recent news headlines. Uh, not that there's been that many, but um, we've got a few little things that have been going on in the Shemu communities. So, well, first up, Limited Run Games obviously just released the the, the brand new collector's edition and all the records and the you know the soundtracks and stuff and that's actually all ended now and sold out because obviously they did a um it was like a timed time sale i think on the website it was uh, yeah like 30 days maybe it's been a month i don't know time goes that quick i can't i can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't remember now but it seemed like i think yeah six weeks at a push maybe maybe so yeah yeah and as soon as they went on sale, I ordered them anyway, so it wasn't a, an issue that yeah. you know set your alarm or set a notification or something. So hopefully everyone got all of the different things that they were selling there. That if you wanted them anyway, like the 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 new collector's edition looks really cool. You know some of the items that they've added there with the um, the Chobu Chan and um, the Bailu Chan figures. Obviously you got a nice printed Bailu herb map, uh, Sword of the Seven Stars, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I think it's it's small, but it's still pretty cool. And oh, they, they got the the VIP card as well from the uh, Golden Goose. You've got so you got the Dreamcast case. You've got uh, the Welcome Car for Hotel Niawu. Oh, with the lips on, yeah. Yeah, you've got the character posters. Oh yeah, yeah. That that's cool. To be honest, I don't know how big they are. They all look really sort of badass. I quite like them. To be yeah. fair. And you've got Chobu Chan and Bailu Chan figurines, which uh, which are 
I really like those. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I do. I, I like that they've picked stuff that's probably a little bit more unusual. You can tell, I think it was uh, Josh Fairhurst that's put this together. And obviously he's a big Shemu fan himself. And these are kind of items that you would never really expect anyone to just to go off on a whim and just, you know, create. So it's obviously come from a, a Shemu fan sort of thing there, especially with the Sword of the Seven Stars, because obviously that was kind of, uh, <laughs> well, it was involved in the in the game, obviously at the start and a little bit later on uh, in the Bell Tower bit. But it did seem like they were trying to wreck on that a little bit. So it, it's nice to be able to um, to have something like that that's quite a special item. Yeah, I think I think the items are all, all pretty cool and they certainly appeal to the sort of the, the Shenmue collectors, if you like. And also it's the only way you're gonna get everything on disc. That's so true. The Shenmue three plus the DLC. So yeah. I mean I don't know if we'll ever see that published outside of the limited run games, for example, but if at the moment that's the only way you can get in the complete edition on disc. So there's gonna be you know, a few thousand of those in the world. Make sure you make sure you keep them. Yeah. Well, if the servers ever go off or whatever and you wanted to play Battle Rally, at least you can if you've got the disc. So that's yeah, one of the plus points. Okay, so moving on. Same sort of thing with the, the vinyl records. Data discs, uh, show me two LPs are now in the process of being shipped. And there's an estimated date for the US and the UK between the 14th and the 31st of January. So depending on when you're listening to this podcast, if you've ordered um, the Shemu 2 LP, this is... Pretty much like um, if you've if you've ordered it with the the slipcase that they were doing that allows you to put like you know the first release and the second release inside um, to keep it nice and tidy. That's where the slight delays uh, been because if you've ordered the the record separately that that's already been shipped and a few people already had them. But they managed to uh, ship ninety percent of the EU orders just before the Brexit stuff went on. Which is a little worrying for me, actually, because obviously I've got to ship a load of these magazines out at some point to uh, all across Europe. So I'm not 100% if there's anything extra I need to think about there or everything that Kickstarter's provided me with. I can already do. I don't know. I'll look into that when we get there. So that's cool. So 90% of that stuff's been already sent out, and that includes the slip slipcase. So just a little bit longer to wait for the US and the UK, but hopefully we should get them very soon. Uh, so Matt, uh, obviously some more more news. You've been doing a few recent interviews since the last episode. You spoke to Ryan a couple more times, and also Cedric. You know, C- Cedric was pretty amazing. That one in particular, you know, it seemed to go under radar a little bit that he he kind of almost revealed Chemi Four. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting take on what's going on there, and it might be something we cover in more detail in another episode, but. To sort of summarise it for everybody who hasn't listened to it, A, go and listen to it because Cedric has, has provided a really good insight to the Shenmue 3 development process, the Kickstarter and things that have gone on sort of behind the scenes. But the main thing he, he said is that Shenmue 4 is in video form with a few playable areas that's ready to pitch to publishers. Now, I'm going to stress to everybody before we get excited, it's not the green light. No. But it's positive because they're clearly working on something. Yeah. And obviously the you know, they haven't just stopped as soon as Shemu 3 is shipped. They've they've continued to work and judging from what you were saying, you know, the graphics have improved. You know, it it, it feels even better than Shemu 3 did, which, you know, it just shows that they can they constantly try to improve things. 
And uh, obviously Ryan himself kind of mentioned these sort of things that they, you know they they taking this feedback and they want to improve things like introducing the the throw moves back into into the mix. And obviously they they kind of know already what they need to improve, don't they? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And um, I think Ryan, both Ryan and Cedric actually have sort of played a key role in in getting that feedback into. I, I think Ryan's probably had more of a sort of input around the feedback from from the fans and sort of wide reviews, et cetera, for Shenmue 3 itself. Um, again, listen to that interview part three with, with Ryan Payton. We, we sort of talk about um, a bit more about the development process of Shenmue 3. Um, we talk about some of the ch- suggested changes that Ryan um, asked to go into the game that made it, some that didn't. Um, and it's just a really good, honest account of what was going on with the development of Shenmue 3. And... I think I have a new appreciation for for the story that the development team have been through at the time, and what both interviews sum up for me, for Ryan and Cedric, is we are so so lucky to have two people like them working on this project, working on this franchise, because they are passionate, they care, and they they love this community and they love the game. So I I just like to extend extend my thanks to. Cedric for talking to me and also Ryan for putting up with three interviews with me over the last <laughs> few months. He's probably bored of my company by now, but no, honestly, we've, we're very, very lucky and we're in a very good position with those guys working with Yuzuzuki and Wisenet. I, I really do think that the series, whatever happens, we don't know, is in very good hands. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, Ryan seems really down to earth. Cedric was down to earth. They both, you know, I think you've you've built up a, a nice little relationship there with both of them, and it was really interesting, really, just to to hear some of the things. Obviously, if, if you you listen to this podcast, check out the feed. Uh, I'm pretty sure all of Ryan's parts and Cedric will be there too, and also they're on YouTube. Um, some you know some some really interesting insight into Shenmue Three. I especially liked the bit when uh, Ryan was going through his notes that he jotted down at the time, <laughs> the things that he'd improve. Um, just things that you noticed. So even you, you went into their, you know, the development cycle of the game, the fa- fans' mind kind of thing, and hopefully a lot of the decisions they ended up making was based on a fan's sort of account of those sort of things that a, a fan would want to see in Shenmue. Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably where Ryan was coming at it from, and also someone who, um, who's very well known in the industry, he's been around, he's worked with some. You know, big names um, across the industry, and I think he's he's taken all that experience in into WiseNet and u- used that effectively. And I think should a Shenmue Four project happen, I think that experience, that know how, and that, you know the contact bases that he'll he'll have will, will really really be useful for the franchise going forward. Yeah, and I don't know if, if this is just just you know my opinion kind of thing, but I did think it was quite telling sign that. Shemi 4 was still in the works because like the whole great wall sequence at the end of the game actually being an FMV playing out rather than in-game render graphics. I always thought that that's kind of interesting that they'd go for the trouble of creating all that area only for it to be recorded and thrown at the end of the game as a, a, an FMV sequence. So, you know, I, I don't think they'd, they'd do that. And, and obviously we saw screenshots of the wall in the original promotional footage throughout, you know, magic events Mr. Muscles guy was, you know, fighting Rio in one of the many towers. Uh, you know, it just has me thinking that this area is going to be used again in Shenmue 4. And personally, I'd like to see them go back a little. 
as uh, I feel like it was a little bit rushed and obviously the walking across the Great Wall had no real transition. Uh, the characters were just suddenly there halfway across it. So I'd like to see them go back a little bit, you know, like to the boat bit at the end of the game and, you know, maybe have a bit more conversation with Chenfoir and her father before setting off on this, you know, eventual journey. And, you know, this this FMV footage ended up just being a kind of like a preview of what's to come. I think, fingers crossed, isn't it? Um, and, yeah, you're right. They don't. They obviously had that area rendered and we don't know how far down the line it was development wise but i'd i'd be surprised if we didn't see that in shenmue 4 i don't know i take your points and agree actually obviously the end we know the ending of shenmue 3 was a bit rushed and i think taking it back to the boat having that conversation to set set the context of of why rio is going there would be really really helpful for, for us as old players and also for new guys coming in yeah exactly i mean i did think it was a little bit unusual the circumstances uh like how did was it Chenpo's father was saying like rio's headed there you know i always think like how does he know he's heading there? <laughs> you know at the moment we don't even know if he's still alive because obviously the last you saw of him was he was sitting and uh, standing in the the castle as it was burning down so like you say it would be nice to have a little bit more context with that before we actually move on um but uh you know i digress yeah. <laughs> so um other news, we've got uh, a Japanese fan manga, which is called Mankan Zenseki, apparently. And um, just a little warning, I don't know if it's sold out already, but it's apparently these low stock. So if anyone wants to grab their sack fast, uh, there's no actual plans to reprint. And this is you know, a similar thing like, like Shemi World magazine. Uh, once the magazines are produced, it's, it's pretty much impossible to do another print run uh, just because of the money involved, really. So um, in the show notes of this particular episode, there'll be a link uh, to the, the English page that you can go order. The book's 800 yen, so, you know, it's really cheap. And obviously you have the international shipping on top of that, which is always going to cost more than the, um, the actual magazine is. And, you know, that was one of the problems I faced with Shemu Shemu World. For anyone outside of the UK, the postage costs are extortionate, really, and, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, I have people complaining that the shipping is actually more than the price of the items and questioning me as to why that's the case but you know it's just that's just because that's the cost yeah i think i've i paid 17 pound for it including shipping yeah so it's not too bad really it's all right it's yeah all right. including shipping you know and in fact you know some cases i personally i wouldn't charge some of the shipping because i didn't want to put more people off you know like for example australia it's like it's 24 quid to ship but obviously i did a, a flat rate of 20 quid just you know, <laughs> just wanted everyone to be able to grab a copy. But uh, so, th- as regarding Chemi World, you know, things are moving steady in that front. I've ordered the packaging and the CDs so far, and I'm waiting on a couple of companies to get back to me for some of the other uh, extras. Uh, but that's going to be really, really soon. And I'm still on track for sort of end of January shipping date for everyone, with UK probably receiving everything by the end of January, and then everyone else, you know, the start of February sometime. Uh, but yeah, getting back to the man- manga, I grabbed a couple of copies myself, mainly because of how they designed the cover. I thought it was really cool. The front has Rio on it, and the, the back has Shenpois, and the standing, you know, with Hotel Niawu as the back backdrop, and you can see they've got a forklift and Ren's walking past in the background too. Um, but I, I just think the way they designed the cover, you know, it's good that if you've got two copies and you flip one around, you can you can actually connect them to create the full image. 
So it's a, a neat little aisle, a, idea, really. So hopefully we'll see them soon as well. Yeah. yeah, it's very good, I think, for what it is. And the artwork's fantastic. It really is really, really impressive. I've seen a few Japanese fans already on Twitter receiving them. And, you know, from what I'm seeing, it looks really, really nice little project, really. It's 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 funny that they, it was kind of, uh, must have been worked on in tandem while I was working on Shemmy World. So, you know, it's a bit unusual to see two of these fan magazine things at the same time. Uh, but it's pretty cool. Um, so next up, we've got a little bit on Super Pass. So obviously, th- this is the Shemu Passport fan app that you know I work on with Switch from Phantom Ripstone. Just received a nice small update, which you can now download right now for both iOS and Android. And uh, in this particular update, it finishes off the last of the Move Scroll section. Also adds uh, a filter option, so you can view the moves by punch, kick, or throw if you'd like to. So that means that the entire Shenmue world, not to do the magazine here, that's what just they called the section in the passport. So it means that the entire Shenmue world section of the online passport is now essentially back online. And you can view all 339 character profiles, read the backstory about all the locations and shops in the game, and now view backstory about all of the of Rio's moves. So there's some, obviously there's some real great interesting lore. And if you love to read into stuff like this, for the first game at least, I'm, I'm biased, but I highly recommend downloading the app. If you've got a, an Android device, you can simply go onto the Google Play Store and just search for Superpass, and the app should show up there for you. And if you're on iOS, uh, you just need to go onto superpass.com with your device, go into the download section and look for the Apple Test Flight button. Tap that, download Test Flight if you haven't already. And then if you haven't actually downloaded Test Flight, I think you have to go back and tap that button again on the download page and then it'll ask you to ex- accept the invite uh, and then test flight's literally just like downloading that from the app store at that point you can just go into test flight to update it in the future as well but another cool thing with test flight uh, now at least is that it auto updates and it'll give you should give you a notification that superpass has been updated so make sure you have that turned on and in the future updates should automatically download as and when we make them and we've also added a few new pieces of music to the music section in the new cutscene playlist. And Switch has been ironing out a couple of bugs and making sure that things run much smoother overall. And speaking of Switch, he's been super busy bringing some more incredible blog material out. He does it constantly, but just quickly, some of his more recent posts uh, feature a couple of guest posts from Segalicious, looking at some of the lore between... Shemu and Virtual Fighter, he goes into the detail about Yamagashi-san's double blow and how it resembles Mu from Akira. So there's some interesting information in there. There's a post about the blocked-off wall at the top of the street in Sakuraoka where Sumiya-san is often seen sweeping. Uh, there's actually like a, there's like a wall, wall there that looks a little bit unusual and Switch investigates what could have previously been there, you know, like a road or a path that continued up to another larger area. Uh, so go take a look. Have you, have you seen that one, Matt, the, about the, the wall thing? I have. I haven't read it in full detail yet, but um, as as ever with Switch's blog posts on Phantom River Stone, they're really detailed, really good. Um, and there's just some nice little intricate details that I think um, would go unnoticed, actually, without it. So if anybody hasn't come across Phantom River Stone yet, um, Make sure you get on Google, put it in Google, get on his website because it's it's fantastic. There's some really good stuff in there. There's also a couple of translated articles about the three years that Susumu Aketagawa spent recording Shemu at Sega. 
he's the sound director at Sega, and this particular article looks into the time he spent at Sega during the creation of Shenmue. And there's also another interview from Akatagawa-san, who speaks about the casting of Masaya Matsukaze, the Japanese voice actor for Ryo Hazuki. A bit of great reads. And finally, I, I don't think it's publicly available right now, but it should be soon, but he's got it on his Phantom Stones Patreon thing. Uh, you can access the two parts of Ryuji Yuchi's Q&A that's uh, translated. So, obviously, the, the Q&A stream took place on the 29th of December, and Ryuji also played a few fantastic renditions, renditions of some of his popular Shamu music. Uh, if you're not familiar with Ryuji Yuchi, he is um, the, one of the original co- composers of Shamu's soundtrack. Uh, he has uh, a YouTube channel called Ryutube, and um, I highly recommend going across and subscribing to it. It's currently playing through the last section of Shenmue 2 in Guilin and has been streaming consistently every Saturday for the past year, hence the Q&A was to celebrate a year of Shenmue streaming. Uh, he often plays Shenmue music during his streams as well, and although the streams are largely in Japanese, if you are familiar with the Shenmue games and uh, you know they're still really entertaining to see an actual person who worked on the original games react to and enjoy the games. And every time he hears like a piece of his music in the game, he you know lets you know. And since he has a big chunk of the music produced for the games, listening to to him play these live, it's really a treat. Uh, we've actually also got a couple of compilations of his live music on the Shemu Dojo YouTube channel if you you seek it out. But I'll chuck the links in the show notes too. Uh, the Q and A is excellent with you know some great questions taken from our own forums mainly. Uh, if you missed it, we, we ran a Christmas giveaway and in celebrating our 20th anniversary, we went a bit insane really and gave away 20 prizes. Um, actually, the, the record you gave me, Matt, that's just come today as well. So that's excellent. I'll get that put with the other, yeah, I'll get that put with the other uh, giveaway prizes, and that's going to a guy called Vesco. <clears throat> and obviously, some of the other items were included from four member. ICUK, so that was nice of him to offer up some incredible prizes, such as a Timex watch, uh, some of the Kickstart rewards items, there's a Shemu tattoo sheet in there, and we've got a ton of prizes that we've added to the pool as well. And like I was saying, the lucky, he's a new forum member, Vesco, he, he won the lot. <laughs> and uh, part of this entry was leaving a question for Ryuji's Q&A. So, you know, we had some really great questions that were asked, so I'm proud that you know the the forums kind of came alive with this competition, and you know we provided some some good questions for RUG and you know made that stream a little bit more uh, fleshed out. I suppose I think he was originally going to do an hour, and obviously it ended up being more like two, <laughs> just because of all of our questions. Uh, and this kind of brings the news around full circle to the actual discussion topic that we want to get into today. So, you know, with Vesco winning, it's actually cool. He, he discovered the Shemu series with the kickstart for Shemu 3. And uh, this was his fondest memory. He says, I didn't know about the Shemu games until I found the Kickstarter campaign for Shemu 3. My fondest memory is when I first heard the Shemu music. So that's, you know, it's pretty cool to think that people actually discovered the series um, from the Kickstarter and became fans like us, Matt. So, you know, unless you've got any news of your own to add. Um, there's only only one bit of news really and um, just just sort of the wider community groups actually we've been lucky that we've had two new groups join us very recently oh yeah yeah um shenmue japan who, who have just cropped up in the last week and i know they've had some involvement from shenmue forever and and switch and getting that all set up 
Yeah. And and we've also had um I think Shenmue AU, which is a Shen is an Australian Shenmue fan group that's just come up as well, and that's run by a uh, a lad called Sam Weaver, I believe. Um, but it's fantastic to see that you know, twenty odd years on, we're still getting new fan community groups pop up. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm surprised those those groups haven't been created prior to this already. You know, like a, a Japanese fan community. Uh, or an Australian one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, interesting. It's, it's funny, isn't it? I, I don't know what's prompted it. Um, I'd love to talk to them and ask. Um, I've, uh, yeah, we, mm. I've dropped both of them a message just to say hello and, and welcome to the team sort of thing because we, yeah, we are one community, we are a team, and we all have one goal, yeah. which is to progress this series as, as, as far as we can. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to working with them. I think they're only going to be assets to the community going forward. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think it's with things like Twitter and, you know, uh, we all kind of get together, don't we? Uh, and the the guy that's actually running the, the Shemu Japan uh, fan community there, that, that, that new one, he's actually, he's the guy that's he's been making those those fan songs with his guitar and uh, he's had, a, you know, help from some of the, the English communities to be able to I think he does some of the, the performances himself with like live singing. He's, he's even been trying to sing in English, you know. It's as nice that we can kind of bridge the gap between, you know, different cultures and different languages. And, uh, you know, Shemu's always been like that. And it's kind of like it's brought all fans from all across the world together. And, uh, you know, when you go Magic Monaco and, you know, it's not just French people there, you know, everyone's come from everywhere really to attend. And, uh, you know, it's it's cool to see everyone get together yeah it's really it's nice and it just i think you summed it up perfectly it sums up what Shenmue is about which is just bringing people together and to enjoy a very special franchise at the end of the day and the more people that do it the better yep spot on so that concludes the news for this particular episode and before we get into our main topic of discussion today we're going to play a piece of music um, so I've picked the first track, so since the focus in a minute will be on Shenmue 3's Kickstarter, I thought it would only be fitting to play a piece of music that we've all first heard whilst you know the campaign was running. It was like one of the new, new songs that everyone was kind of like, um, you know, pining over as soon as it came out. It was a great piece of music to hear uh, after so long, having, you know, nothing for ages and then <laughs> everything that buzzes, everything comes at once there. But uh, this was the first piece of music we heard that was from Shenmue 3. I think it also played when you visited the Shenmue 3 official uh, website as well. Um, I remember, I think it was like Autoplay, I think they had on that website there. If you went on, I think it was the Japanese version of the official Shenmue 3 Kickstarter page. Anyway, the, the first one that they made, I remember, you went on and this played in the background. This also ended up being featured in Shenmue 3, uh, albeit in some sort of a, a strange location, really, playing at the Niawu Clinic. It's the one at the very top of the very top end of the... It's a promenade, isn't it? Promenade, yeah. Just before hitting the tables where people are eating. Uh, it's also near to the Save Shenmue building. Uh, so not sure why this incredible piece of music was used for a pretty minor store in Niawu, but I think that's going to be another topic of discussion. Um, but... Uh, part of the newly released Shemu 3 soundtrack and it's called Seeking Healing. (laughs) 
Okay, that was Seeking Healing from the new Shenmue 3 soundtrack, which you can pick up digitally over on Bandcamp, or if you're subscription to Spotify or possibly Apple Music, you can find it and listen to all of the tracks there too, all 319 or however many there are. It's, you know, I've been listening to it in the background, actually, while we're working on the magazine and Dojo stuff, and it's really great. Definitely needs more credit than it got, Shenmue 3 soundtrack. Listening to the music without the context of the location or whether they play in the game, you know, they're all excellent pieces really enjoyable uh just quickly matt what what are your thoughts on the shimmer three's soundtrack um i I won't go into it too much now but i think it gets i think the actual soundtrack itself having listened to the the six odd hours that are on spotify um it's it's on par with the the first two game soundtrack i know some tracks are reused etc in it but i think the overall soundtrack is excellent um, I think that the biggest sort of gripe, for want of a better expression, was that some of the music was oddly placed. But I think yeah. we'll go through that at another point. Definitely, yeah, that's another topic of discussion, definitely. Okay, let's get into the Kickstarter talk now. So before we look at the page itself, which I've got open, just briefly if you want, Matt, but how, how do you feel the Kickstarter went as a whole? It's a very mixed bag, is is the way I would describe it. I mean, personally, my experience with it in terms of getting my rewards and all the rest of it, it was it was fine, and my I was quite happy with my rewards. But we'll talk about them later. But I think the overall perception of the Kickstarter from start to finish is very very mixed. Um, there's a there was a lot of issues around things like communication and other bits and pieces that again we'll go into and some sort of controversies later on um, in in sort of the cycle of the Kickstarter and Shenmue 3 itself. But yeah, I would say if I'm being you know, hand on heart and as someone who would staunchly defend anybody working on this franchise because I don't think they do things deliberately or anything of the sort, I, I do I do think it was a mixed bag overall. Um, what, what's your take on it, James? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, just briefly before we actually go into it properly, but I think they did a decent job, really, considering, because, you know, like I was saying, there's, I'm just looking here, there's nearly 70,000 backers, and I'm pretty sure, obviously, there would be over that because of the PayPal side of things as well. So there's a lot to manage, really, going from having just launched Kickstarter myself and, you know, it's, it's recently finished. There's a, there's a load of manual work that you've got to do with the Kickstarter, uh, sending out updates, and actually, you'd think the, the the tools that Kickstart provides you would be better than they actually are. They're not, you know, they're, they're very, feel a bit outdated, if, if I'm being honest. Like when I was designing the page, um, it's really difficult to um, set the layout exactly how you want it. There's a lot of like two lines when you've only pressed one line. Um, just 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 some strange behavior really on, on Kickstarter side. and. You know, this is going back five years as well with Kickstarter, uh, 3's Kickstarter page. So, you know, who knows? It could have been even more prehistoric back then. Yeah, possibly, to be fair. To, to, to be able to manage, you know, 70,000 backers, I've, I've just had to manage 600 at most. And, you know, it's really difficult because I personally want to reply to every single person that will leave a comment or send a message. And I just can't imagine the message inbox that, this particular Kickstarter would have had it would have had so many messages flooding in constantly even you know even now 
people saying like where's my rewards or you know what what's happening here this kind of thing because people just send messages willy-nilly you know sometimes and i just it's it's hard to keep track of because the way that kickstarter orders them is like it, it it's ordered and most recent so um if someone requested something five years ago and obviously things are still happening at the moment it's going to be very hard to find out who that guy was five years ago so I'm, I'm, we had to really manage this project really really well outside of kickstarter the, you know they the must have had documents and just things to keep track of because i did find when i downloaded my uh, backer report it's literally just a an excel spreadsheet you know so you've kind of got to be a little bit technically gifted and being able to manage a spreadsheet and you know use all that kind of data to how you're going to provide people the rewards keep track of things addresses are there uh what backer name they wanted in the game and all that sort of stuff uh so you know i've, I've got a an extra little bit of appreciation towards uh wisenet and um obviously at the time awesome japan who probably managed this have a little bit more respect towards them uh than possibly i gave them at the time because uh, obviously i c- I can understand a lot of people's frustrations during the Kickstarter and uh, obviously since then and there's been a lack of communication which I don't think it does take long to send out an update you know you can crank one out in an hour or two probably uh, you know making sure it's all perfectly worded and you know you don't just type and send something you've got to make sure that everything you say is actually factual and you know you don't want to make a mistake in that regard Uh, so I, I do kind of agree with people that we could have had a lot more communication but as a whole, just to manage an actual Kickstarter, you know, I've got a, a newfound appreciation there. So, I think you talk about your own Kickstarter experience. It's probably quite poignant, actually, um, because having seen you go through that and see you responding to the messages that pop up or the comments, I mean, you had 600 backers, which is a lot of backers anyway. And then if you've got... You've got a group who I think were three or four people. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm just looking at the, the photo of them on the on the Kickstarter website, so it might have been more, it might have been less, for all we know. Um, bearing in mind the amount of backers that were coming in daily, and and all the press that was around it, and everything else that's going on, they had a hell of a task on their hands. What yeah. whatever we think of the Kickstarter overall, and we all form our own opinions on that. I think there has to be an appreciation for how difficult the logistics around that job were are still now and and will probably still be quite difficult for the next few months as the, as the last few rewards start hitting people's doorsteps because there's bound sure to be stuff that gets lost in the post or doesn't get sent to the right address and they've got to sort that out and i know joel at wisenet um does a lot of that now himself so as, there's one man as far as i understand it um, dealing with the Kickstarter stuff as it as it is currently. So you're saying like that original group of three? You don't think it's just one now? Is it just Joel? I, I think it's I think it's just Joel. He, he, I'll put it this way: every time I've asked a question about the Kickstarter, he is the person who has responded. So I I would be very surprised if it was if it wasn't just him. Yeah, and to be fair, I feel like wasn't one of them just a translator or something. There was there was one guy that was possibly. Uh, you remember possibly. in was it some of the Kickstarter update videos? He was just he was he was like the main sort of translator guy at the time. 
Yeah, I do remember it. So yeah, I think I have a new newfound appreciation for for what they've had to go through. Um, not that you know it excuses some of the missteps that have been given, which we'll go into, I'm sure. But I think as an overall package, you you have to sit just sit back and look at that picture for a minute and and just try and understand quite how big a task they had. Bearing in mind, this ended up being a world record Kickstarter for a video game and the, and the profile around it. I think, yes, of course, it could have been better, but I think given what they had and given what they were dealing with, I think they had a very big task on their hands and anyone would have had a really big task on their hands. Yeah, and obviously you've got the, the added pressure, like you say there, of it being a big name like Shenmue. So, you know, every little mistake is going to get blown out of proportion. And, um, you know, just be- besides the Kickstarter, you know, you've got your social media mm. uh, pages. I don't know who actually managed the, the Shenmue 3 ki- uh, Twitter page, but, you know, you, there's, there's a lot of elements, you know, just working for the dojo itself, you know, it's it's a really time-consuming job just for what we do. So, yeah, yeah, and, and we we do it in our spare time. We have we have a larger staff team behind us, so it's yeah. I, there's a lot. It's it's very difficult. There's a lot of work there, um, but yeah, it is it is what it is. I think. Okay, good stuff. So let's have a quick look at the the original Kickstarter page here now. Just briefly go scroll through it. Just see how it looks, how it compares now to what we got as a product in the end. Obviously, the top there, they've got the Shenmue 3 thank you image. It's like it's still using the old character models of Rio and Shenfua there. That was another thing kind of that went negatively towards the Kickstarter, really, that they, they kind of had to show progress updates throughout. And obviously, they had to keep uh, giving out these Kickstarter updates throughout the whole project. And you know, you, you, are, you are going to see, because that, that was part of the Kickstarter project there, the progression of the game from start to finish, basically. So a lot of people were, you know, already picking on it, really, from some of the early footage, which, you know, were, were still early days. I remember just seeing it here, the trailer for the, the Lake of the Lantern Bugs. There was, um, I forget exactly who they were, maybe like Rooster Tooth or something like that. Um, I I remember them poking fun at yeah. all the camera pans were like panning into Shenfua's bottom <laughs> and this sort of stuff. But you know, and and everyone always was kept going on about the character models and stuff. But you, you know, this this you know we're really early on here, early stages of the game. They literally they'd only just started building it, uh, going through the getting into the Unreal Four engine, designing everything from scratch. So to be honest, now I think it's it's quite clear that because Shenmue 3 is actually not being mentioned much anymore or, or what they did mention it in the news and the media and stuff was very petty and very minimal that I think overall, I think Shenmue 3 actually ended up being a lot better than a lot of these media outlets had you, had you believe, you know, four or five years ago, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I'd agree with that wholeheartedly. I think, the, sort of the, the model that Yuzuzuki had, I think, was considered agile, or I can't quite remember the name that was brandished around on the forums at the time. But I remember it being made a very clear point that they make the improvements to the character models, etc. It's one of the last things they do. Um, I'm sure someone in the you know, who's in development, etc., will know more than I will. But I mean, I think 
given how spoiled gamers were with you know AAA looking titles over the years from sort of the PS3 into the PS4 time and, and obviously now into PS5, I, I think there's a there's there was a core element who had a certain expectation of what it would look like outside of the community. I think the community itself were generally very sympathetic to what was going on, considering you're working on a fraction of the budget that you had originally. Um, but I do think, and I, and this was a bugbear of mine throughout the Shenmue 3 Kickstarter project, that there were certain outlets out there who would, would pick on it, pick on the character models, pick on certain other elements of, of, of the project itself without really justifying why and without re- really going into sort of the nitty gritty of it. Did the character models look great in the initial Kickstarter video? Like on the grand scheme of things, compared to what we got, probably not. But at the time, bearing in mind they had to build that Kickstarter video to show proof of concept, and they had to do it quickly. You know, it is what it is. It's fine. I think it probably also suffered wider in that you obviously had the 2017 trailer, which was the first real look we had at the game, and it's I think it's the highest rated or the highest viewed trailer for Shenmue Three out there. It's got over a million hits. And they're using the character models with the dead eyes and things, and yeah, so that kind of put a lot of people off straight away, didn't it? Even though, again, it's still early on, but people, people that aren't actually keeping a close eye on the Kickstarter and keeping a close eye on all the updates, they're just seeing that trailer as like, oh, this is what the game's going to look like. Yeah, and I think people jump to conclusions way too quickly. They're very quick to jump on a bandwagon. They're very quick. To, go, to just join in a crowd or something and actually just, you know, if you take a step back and realise that game was probably, would it be an alpha phase possibly at that point? Probably, yeah. So... They probably just literally built the environments and uh, they probably weren't even focusing on the character models, right. even though obviously a lot a lot of fans and obviously the general public, that was all they, they could talk about because obviously they'd done such a great job on the environments. To be honest, yeah, they were lovely. even in the very first, even in the first uh, Kickstarter trailer that they, they showed on the E3 stage. That that environment with the leaves falling and they got the leaf floating in the in the river there, incredible stuff, really. And uh, I, I was watching it last night actually, just preparing for this, and I was thinking, apart from the character models, there that looks beautiful, you know. And this is going back five years, and I I, I do think. The main focus was on the game, all the game elements, the environments. You know, the character models can, like you saying there, something you heard, is the last thing that they, they implement, really. And even so, if you remember the um, Shemu HD trailer that Digital Foundry leaked, they're working on the environments, they're, they're working on the game. We got Shemu 1 HD elements and all the, the textures and stuff that they're working on there and the Shemu 2 stuff. Yeah, in fact, the characters that are walking around was the same placeholder character. So, you know, there's another example of characters coming last. Yeah, and I, I, I just, I'm trying to think of the way I can put this without sounding too, like I'm going after somebody. Um, but I really do think throughout the Kickstarter project, from start to finish, there was a bunch of mis- misinformation out in the media around around the Shenmue 3 project, around the Kickstarter. Um, but on the flip side of that argument, I would say that the communication needs to be better to counteract that in terms of the public relations side of things. Um, Which is what Cedric is getting 
into as well. Yeah, and you and you interview Cedric. Yeah, and and Cedric is quite open about that. He said if we that we did it again, um, and I, I can't see them doing it again. Um, no. He 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 said the communication needed to be better, and had it, he said had it been better, they'd have hit the ten million mark. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that as well. To be honest, when I when I heard him say that, I was thinking, you know, he's he's right because if if people realise that. You know, Sony weren't involved as as much as everyone was slating the uses. They were using the word scam and this sort of stuff. And you know, really, they should have they should have come out with complete transparency and saying, like, you know, look, this isn't true because they they did actually, but they did it in weird ways, didn't they? If you think, I think it was um, was there like an off, well, not off camera, but like a a, a stream, yeah, uh, where you he was talking to some guy, wasn't he? And there was a, a bit of a Q and A thing going on there, and they actually revealed there that obviously Sony's only involved in the marketing stuff, and that's where we got our information from to be able to provide that news to people. But still, that wasn't very clear. It wasn't out in the open. It was like a no, no, it you know, wasn't. And, got to look into it to find that information. And it's difficult when you when that information isn't released properly through the right channels, through your social media, through the press. Um, we're a community group, as the others are out there, and and, and Cedric was quite thankful for the, for the work that community groups did in getting the right news out there. And actually, we had some articles corrected because of our news that we we grabbed. Yeah. But with all due respect to the to the team working on the Kickstarter and working on the project there, that's something that could I think could have been avoided, like you say, had they been a bit more transparent about it. Um, but I'm I think I'm probably biased, and it's just my opinion. But I do think that there are certain elements within the media and wider gaming community that were latching onto anything negative about Shenmue as a franchise, not just Shenmue 3, Shenmue as a franchise, and they were running with it. And I and a part of it is, in my opinion, because they lost their, their E3 meme every year, that Shenmue 3 was never going to happen, they'd do the teasers and all the rest of it, and then it did. I do think there's, there's something somewhat weird that it's, it's the easy target, isn't it, for some reason, you know? People make jokes about it being a forklift simulator, that guy, Jeff Gerstein, or whatever his name is. You know, I, th- I think the media were going to pick on it regardless. So even if this information was out there, if, you know, WiseNet or whoever was running the Kickstarter made the announcement like, look, you know, this is complete transparency here. So many aren't involved the way you were saying they are. I still, I think the media probably would just you know, adored it anyway and just yeah. latched on to the next thing, you know, oh, look at these dead eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I think it's, I mean, I think it's symptomatic of the way things are framed generally these days anyway. Um, and and Shenmue suffered for it. Because at the end of the day, they're, they're going for clicks, aren't they? It's, they're not going to get clicks if they say Sony's not, you know, Sony's only involved in the marketing, that's the headline. No one's going to click that, are they? I mean, I, I don't want to do discredit to, to the journalists who, Used to be scam. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to discredit the journalists who who obviously write, you know, for these gaming websites and all the rest of it because, you know, I think ninety percent of them do do a job in good faith, and I don't want to start slating journalists individually and and, and stereotyping them as a whole. But, um, yeah, I, I I do think that some of the negative press that was out there, I I, I do think there was an element of it being Shenmue, so certain people were always going to jump on it. But I do think that that, that the the team around the Kickstarter and the wider project should have been much more open in the communication around who was doing what. I don't know what agreements there were in place in terms of non-disclosures and things like that. Um, so that may well have been mm. a limiting factor for all we know. But at the same time, 
I think you've got to take things on balance there. And I think overall, the communication around the initial Kickstarter when it launched and who was doing what in terms of funding needed to be more transparent because I think that would have had an impact on, on the final total. Yeah, I agree. Right, so let's have a little bit more of a look at the, the Kickstarter page here. So uh, just scrolling down now. So we've got what's Shenmue. So uh, Chibi, actually, one of the Shenmue Dojo staff people here, he actually he worked on a video at the time that's uh, got nice pride of place on the Kickstarter page here. Great video. Um, pretty much sums up Shenmue, really, uh, for people, newcomers to the series. So that was good that Chibi got a little bit involved there as well. And then there is a few little bizarre things, obviously, on the Kickstarter page. You've got uh, a random array of various screenshots from the series. You've got the, co- the original concept art here, you know, some, some great artwork. Uh, just for some reason, you know, it's, it's, it's small. It's, I think they probably could have maybe stretched some of these images out to show uh, some, some of this beautiful Shemu artwork that we had originally. But I don't know, maybe they just wanted to keep the information uh, quite concise, I suppose. And then we've got a, a few little bizarre images, really. Of, it's like a mixture of, there's definitely some Shemu Online screenshots mixed in here for some reason. Yeah, there is. It's Wan Choice by Wan Chi. Wan Chi. <laughs> That's just a bizarre picture. I mean, I've never seen it before, so a bit of an unearthed screenshot there. But whether the guy that, whoever it was that was designing the Kickstarter page, just I, I don't know what he actually had access to image-wise, but that's an unusual screenshot to use to try and promote the series. Yeah, and it's, it doesn't show it in the best light, actually. I think when you look at Wan Chai and Shenmue 2, it's actually, yeah, it's very it's bustling, it's colourful, it's full. Um, this is like a stretched-back version for the online. Yeah, 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 I think that's exactly right. It's very stripped-back, and I don't think it shows it off in the best light without obviously knowing what access to what resources and imagery they had at the time. So it's a strange one, isn't it? More than anything, yeah. it's not, and it's not the first sort of Shenmue online reference there is in the Kickstarter either. If you, if you were just scrolling down as a as a someone coming into this blindly, they're not really the best images to use to promote the series. At least the first two games, they could have used uh, better imagery, uh, which is probably why I think a lot of fans were saying like, you know, this needs to be uh, shown more like what what is actually Shenmue. And that, that's where Jibby came in and they, they used Jibby to basically put the, his video on the on the page here so that there's at least a little bit more of a better rep- representation of Shenmue 1 and 2 so that people going into the Kickstarter, going into Shenmue 3, have a bit of a better idea of what Shenmue is. So I think without Jibby's video there, it's a bit lacking. I, I'd agree with you on that. I think Jibby's video it shows Shenmue, Shenmue 1 and 2 off very very well and it's an excellent video um i i was surprised he didn't play more off of shenmue one and two's assets and artwork Mm. for for this kickstarter page if i'm honest um but again saying it without really knowing what they had access to at the time and what the sort of thought processes were behind it i mean if you go i'm I'm sort of skipping a little bit here but if you go down to the character tiles Mm. further down the page They've got some of the original Shenmue artwork there, which is lovely, and it it, yeah. it jumps out at you. It looks really, really good. And actually, there's a good use of Shenmue Online's model for Landy in that, which um, which was interesting, but it looks really, really good. So, yeah, it, it's funny. I don't, I don't, I don't understand it 
but obviously it's, it's it's looking from the outside isn't it more than anything else here i think yeah. it very mixed bag I, if i had to sum it up in a, in a sort of sentence i'd say mm, that's uh, i was just interested i'm curious to see what they actually put because i can't remember but that's uh, i'll read this out so if he were not around in 1999 when Shemu first came out or did not have the opportunity to play it, if he were, he may miss this game which has gone on to win the hearts of gamers everywhere and influence so many games to come after it. Making his way from Japan to China on a quest to avenge his father, Ryo Hazuki grows from boy to man, encountering new friends and foes alike as he completes his kung fu training. Tons of minigames were just one of the features that made the sandbox world of Shenmue so enjoyable. Shenmue defied all convention and created the genre that later came to be known as open world, an unparalleled level of freedom that you choose how you wanted to play. First of its kind realism, an immersive story, and not to mention the birth of the QTE, made Shenmue a one-of-a-kind experience and an instant classic. So, yeah, the text-wise, it's pretty much bang on there. Yeah, they, they, the text what is you reading that out, actually, they sell that really well, yeah. I think. Mm. It, it, it pulls on that, that history and actually what Shenmue inspired going forward. So I think that text there, yeah, what, yeah full marks from me, definitely. Yeah. yeah, same. So let's take a break now and we'll play another piece of music. So this is from one of Matt's, Matt's suggestions. Yeah, uh, the name of this track is um, called Mother's Wish. I can't quite remember where it comes up in Shenmue 3, but it's it's a lovely track. And um, yeah, go and listen to it on Spotify if you haven't got it already.
So next, they got a little bit on what's Shenmue 3. So Shenmue 3 is the true sequel to the classic open-world action RPG games Shenmue and Shenmue 2, created for modern platforms, PC and Shenmue 4. So notice they didn't say Steam there. <laughs> and built in Unreal 4, Shenmue 3 will continue the legacy of Shenmue. With your help, we can hashtag save Shemu and rejoin Ryo and our favourite characters on his new adventure. Uh, Shemu 3 will have familiar elements from its predecessors and a new fight mechanic to achieve a new level of interactive storytelling. Okay. If this project reaches its funding goal, Shemu 3 will be available on the PS4 and PC. Again, notice no Steam. Our ambition is to deliver a Shemu experience that will draw in newcomers to the series and reward diehard fans with its deep story and rich gameplay. Yeah, so I mean, again, if you're reading that, quite exciting, really. Doesn't really give yeah. too much of what, you know, the planning with Shemu 3 away, but uh, going in there, you know, if, if anyone did actually read this without any prior knowledge of Shemu, it's not too badly written. It's, and it's interesting, actually, reading it back. They mention new fight mechanics yeah. early, very early. I think they knew early on that they had to remake the fighting system that they built. Yeah, I, and do you know what? It's something, reading it back now, I didn't realise at the time, but actually that message was out there very, very, very very early on that the chances of the um, virtual fighter system being used were, were clearly, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't an option. You couldn't read into it at the time because obviously that wasn't a thought really until you actually played the game and got the battle system that we, we ended up with. But yeah, they, they did kind of pre-word that already really. <laughs> they, yeah, they did it very, very well. Um, and also I want to talk about the imagery above it. You look like, take the character models out of it. We've obviously discussed those at length here. Yeah. The environment is fantastic. What they're showing there is incredible. I don't even think that's in the, the game, is it? It's not. It, it was the pre-built bit to put, uh, for a proof of concept. You have to have proof of concept for it to go onto Kickstarter, don't you? It's kind of like what the pitching now would Shemu for, would you say? But this was the Shemu three version that they were pitching. Yeah, I can see exactly where you're going with that. So I think, given they had to piece that together, I think the environments look stunning, and actually the water effects on it are really good. Were really nice. Yeah, like I say, these you got the the the. the autumn looking leaf kind of flowing down the river there uh, i remember that uh, you know blowing me away really and this was five years ago yeah would have been nice actually if they'd included a little bit of a walking section kind of like what we were doing at the end of shimu 2 because this is kind of what it was reenacting i'm probably talking out out of turn a little bit here but i i, I just get the impression it, it looks like it was directly inspired by shenmue 2 yeah exactly and if you remember in the video Rio's jumping the things, and they actually have the same mm. sort of jumping the stones. Sorry, not things. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and they've got the same sort of character interaction with the dialogue from that that part of Shenmue Two, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, so, so like you say, it was pretty much inspired from that as a proof of concept. Yeah, and I think overall, the I mean, the, the actual video's a little bit funny because obviously you've got. Um, You've got Shanghai and Rio having a very, very brief conversation. And the instant thing that jumped out at that was it wasn't Corey in the English bit. Yeah, there's a guy trying to pretend to put on the voice of Corey. <laughs> oh, it, it, everyone was like, that's not Corey Marshall. What's this? But luckily, it, it, was, it, it was all fine. And I, I imagine they just had to get something recorded quickly. 
Yeah, that's true. But funny, if you think about it, really, he, he could have probably just made a phone call or, some, or someone could have made a phone call to Corey. I know it's it's easy to say now in 2021 how easy it is to get in touch with these people when, you know, Corey's streaming on Twitch and stuff and it's really easy to send them a message. But I suppose going back five years ago, you know, it, it's interesting. They probably could have just sent him a message somehow and he, he'd have probably recorded it there and then on the spot using his phone or something, wouldn't he, you know? Yeah, I, and... I... I, we don't know why it wasn't. It's, it's just something that I remember standing out at the time. I wouldn't trade it the voice. <laughs> I remember. I remember a lot of fans looking at it, going, "That's that's not Corey. What, what's what's going on here?" But all was well that ends well in that respect. I just imagine like someone like Joel Tess just standing there in front of a microphone, just putting on this Corey Marshall voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Joel. <laughs> So uh, let's go down a little bit more. So we've got stretch goals now. And obviously uh, they were hopeful that they would attain kind of like the 10 million mark is what Yu Suzuki wanted. He, he said that there was like, um, was it a Facebook Q&A? There was some sort of Q&A going on. I can't remember what yeah. page it was on. Uh, that was one of the questions really. And he gave the answer that, you know, at 5 million or was it 2 million you can make Shenmue? 5 million we can make the game that everyone kind of wants kind of thing. But at 10 million, it's going to be the Shenmue that everyone wants this you know that is the definitive Shenmue experience at 10 million something like that yeah yeah I, I vaguely remember it and, and sort of look at these stretch goals I mean that most of them are pretty pretty self-explanatory aren't they you've got like yeah. the various um translations in there which made absolute sense perfect sense the rapport system I think was billed as something different to what we got in the final product, mm -hmm. if I'm if I'm honest. I think you, you saw the elements of it with, with the conversations with Rio and Shenhar, certainly in Bailu Village. And if you engaged in those conversations, her, her demeanour would change towards Rio, but I don't think we got the fully fleshed out. No, I think a lot of that went unnoticed as well because uh, a lot of people didn't realise how that system works. But you know, as you talk to Shenhar at night and by the village at least, uh, she starts some of the, the cut scenes and some of the, the the way that she, you know, she wakes up Rio in the morning or says goodnight to him or waves him off on his, you know, his day. Some of that stuff changes mm. depending on how much you've spoken and some of the answers you picked. So that was kind of what they did with the rapport system uh, that I'm aware of. Yeah, and I think it, it goes back to a point that Ryan made, actually. It's very difficult with a game, and this is an experienced guy who's worked in the industry for a long time. He said it's very difficult to call, call what you're going to do with your game that early on. So they may have had in their head that it was going to be a much deeper report system than we got, but maybe, you know, for all we know, budget could have got involved in it, technicalities could have got involved, maybe, maybe the scope of the project in terms of that element changed for all we know. That there's there's obviously factors in there that we don't know about as to why that probably wasn't as fleshed out as it was first advertised. It was disappointing that it wasn't because I think what they were advertising that real sort of going into that relationship with Rio and Shenhua and those really detailed conversations through the game, like you started getting in Shenmue two. I think that would have been yeah, it'd have been perfect for Shenmue three. Yeah. Did they speak about that, or was that just what fans were discussing at the time? Because I do remember like yeah. little bits and pieces of what you just said there about, you know, the interactions with Shenfar and uh, how that that would develop the relationship. I mean, yeah, and, and that's right. And I think what we what we got the the bits of it that were there, what we got, I thought were really well done. And 
um, if, if anybody's listening from WiseNet or anywhere, I, I want more of that sort of thing because it, it, it provides character development. It provi- provides a context with your main characters. And part of the Shenmue charm is getting to know your characters, is to relate to them. And that's, what I think, part of the reason people fell, fell in love with the series. So I, I, I personally would want more of that sort of thing going forward. I, I don't know what your opinion is. No, I agree, yeah. Some, some of the, the, the conversations at night with Shenfire, you know, back at Shenfire's house, those were some of the best bits of the game for me because we were learning even more about Rio's history, Shenfire's past, and some, some of the exchanges there. You could see them developing as two characters, really. Obviously, we had a lot of the conversation stuff from Shenmue 2 at the end there, and Guilin as they, they were travelling, walking, and finding out about each other. And it was just good to to extend that into Shenmue 3 and have the same sort of conversations there every night. It was it was that was some of the best bits for me. That was yeah, I, and I'd second that. And obviously, we're going to make move through it. I think of the skill tree system that they talked about. I think it's there. I don't think it's quite as as fleshed out as I think you'd imagine it in in some sort of modern games now where you sort of, your moves develop, then they open other levels of moves. This is just how I imagined it in my head. Yeah. When I first heard about that sort of stuff, I was like I wasn't sure because obviously we didn't have any of that in Shenmue one and two and mm, I just wanted the continuation of that sort of game. So introducing, you know, your Assassin's Creed three-tiered skill tree thing mm-hmm. that, that I, I was thinking like at the time like that is that going to work the same in Shenmue what I, I quite like about Shenmue 1 and 2 is Rio's developing his martial arts he's speaking to trainers he's learning moves on the spot there and then that's a move that you can use throughout the rest of the game you go into a shop buy skill books uh, he reads them he learns them you can practice the moves and, and level up in those kind of ways I, I, I like that as a system, really, because you're actually growing as a character. And then you take that across yeah. into Hong Kong, you're meeting more masters, and constantly you're, you're learning these moves and improved versions of certain moves and uh, counters and you know all these different things throughout there. And I, I thought that was a, a really cool thing. And if you think back to if that had continued on the Dreamcast or wherever and you know your save file had kept leaping over for all 11 chapters or 16 chapters, however, how many Yusuzuki ever planned. It's mind-blowing, really, that by the end of the game, all of that that you'd experienced throughout the whole of the Shenmue saga is Ryo, basically. He's grown as a character, and I, I think that that's, that's something that I would have liked to have seen continued on, and it's a, a little bit of a thing that I was a little bit disappointed of in Shenmue 3 was just the randomness of Ryo's moves at the time. You know, you start off and... Uh, I, I think a lot of the the moves that he'd learned previously ended up being skill books, or you know, some of them were ended up being skill books that he mm. had to buy and learn again. It was just seemed a little bit unusual, like there wasn't a, a, a true continuity throughout all three games. Then, in that in that I, sense, I, I, I wonder what the thinking was behind it. Whether it was partly to introduce new people, I, I, I don't know, um, but I, I agree with you. I think there was, in some respects there is a lack of continuity in some of the moves. I think some of the moves within what we got are very similar anyway. But I actually think looking at the system that's in the game now is very much along the lines of Shenmue 1 and 2. You, you get new moves, you level them up. So it was much closer to the originals than I anticipated it would be. And that's not a bad thing. No, I agree with that, yeah. I was expecting, like you know, like I said, the three-tiered go into mm. defence, go into attacking going you know 
Mm. And mm. and we didn't actually get that. Obviously, we've got a, a very similar Shamu sort of system where you buy skill books, you learn moves. Yeah. It was just basically like the continuity really was the only downside of that where uh, I don't... I think because they had to reinvent the whole battle system and obviously get rid of throw moves, they had to kind of rethink what Rio should... should I, I don't know. Or, or unless the project could have done with... Um, a little bit more of someone with a consistent knowledge of the first two games. Uh, I know, obviously, I don't know if Yu Suzuki forgot a few things or some of his team members forgot a few things over the 20-year span or whatever. Obviously, we know every little minute detail about the first two games, and so it's very easy for us to say, you know, this should be that way because of this happening, or, you know, you don't know mm. actually how much of that information Yu Suzuki's actually retained, so uh, yeah, it's a challenge in itself. I think that that in that respect, trying to get that continuity after so long. Um, so I think actually, if we if we were just reviewing the skill tree system as as a as a set as a, as a stretch goal itself, it actually felt more like the original games I anticipated. And yeah, I think it's a good thing overall. Yeah, and hopefully I can build on that for for a fourth instalment. Definitely. And just going through the stretch goals, I can't actually see because they put uh, the word reached over the, the figures there. You have to try and... Can you remember what some of these are? So what was the skill tree? Is that 3.5 million? Yeah, and then I think it's 4 million is, is Baisha or Baisha. What what they were planning originally was like Yu Suzuki just was after 2 million, Monty, if you think. So these were the things that were going past the 2 million goals. So I, I'm not sure what he, he would have done with the game at 2 million. Uh, obviously, that's probably another conversation. Really. I suspect it would have been a, a sort of a telltale type game. Yeah, but we uh, we don't know, do we? It was Ryan that was saying something about that one. Where he was saying originally, mm, it was Suzuki was saying we. I think Yu Suzuki didn't really realize that he could attain like this ten million goal. I think everyone around him was probably saying, "Oh, it definitely will." You know, like Cedric, you can imagine saying, "Oh, we're definitely going to get ten million because you know it's it's a beloved series." And Yu Suzuki's probably like got that sort of Japanese humble mentality where you know he doubts doubts his abilities, doubts himself. That's quite a common Japanese trait, really. Um, so obviously he doesn't doesn't expect to ever reach ten million, probably. So he's probably thinking of the mindset of, you know, if we can scrape together two million, this is probably what we'd be able to do with the series. Have a bit of a telltale. It's mostly cutscenes, mostly you know de- decision based rather than the full Shemu format, which is probably why he then said that comment, which got blown out of proportion again. Like, oh, Yu Suzuki needs ten million. You know he's greedy, whatever. Um, but he he probably had that mindset where you know if if we do get ten million, then I'll be able to make Shemu three, as it it would have originally been basically back in the day. You know we we can do the full fledged Shemu three that everyone wants. That that's probably the the figures that he had in his head. And I think to to take what he actually did get and achieve, and then obviously he he then had the mentality like and probably Ryan influenced him as well. That he he's going to make that Shemu three regardless. So he didn't quite make ten million. We got six and a half, or whatever. I'm still going to do it, and I think that that is evident in some of the later stretch goals still being implemented, even though we didn't we didn't reach them. I just think he had these these ideas and visions in his head, and I think he he, he wanted to do them regardless, kind of thing. Is this you know this uh, stretch goal tree? Is this the revised version, or is this just the original one? Because remember, they did one, they sent us uh, an update, didn't they, 
where they were saying like, oh, we actually we did this one instead of this one. Yeah, I'm trying to find the update for the benefit of, of this. Okay, so that would be interesting to see. So I'm just going to go through what we actually reached according to this list. So we got Shemi 1 and 2 cinema shorts, uh, which I think were needed. So obviously that was the first thing that was reached. I think they probably always were going to do that anyway. And in fact, those those nice, um, they're quite nicely uh, designed and nicely cut together uh, summaries of Shemi 1 and 2. There was like a bit of a commentary from someone in there that says talks you through what's mm. happening in the background. It's pretty good. And uh, there's a lot of subtitly things. We've got Dutch subtitles, I'm guessing, French, French subtitles, Spanish, Italian, then the rapport system, which we spoke about, and the skill tree system. And then we've got Baisha Village. Oh, yeah. Baisha, that's a topic on its own. <laughs> oh. Um, I've just seen. I'm looking at the um, skill tree system on the revised revised um, stretch goals, and they actually said it was changed to a skill book system. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So, so they probably did, or Yusuzuki had an idea for a skill tree thing in his head originally, and then when I don't know if they got down or ran out of time or something, and changed it to the skill book system. Or and and yeah, and Yusuzuki was he was involved in that reboot blue developer conference thing, and I think he actually said uh, he was talking about the the skill tree or the skill book system back then because he was he was showing us all these different elements, and obviously he was showing the the economy system where you can pawn this, sell this, trade this. You know, he had all these different elements to get a skill book. So I think that 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 is maybe what they changed to. I think he, he ended mm. up having that economy economy idea in his head uh, for, for where skill books would come from and then obviously this, carrying on down with these stretch goals that were reached, we got Baisha Village expanded minigames times 5 Baisha Village expanded infiltration mission, Baisha Village expanded additional quest Baisha Village expanded battle event Baisha Village expanded characters perspective system so there's just that little batch of um, stretch goals there Quite early on in the whole thingy, it was must have been something that he had in his mind uh, of the main focus of Shenmue Three, really. Otherwise, why would they be so so early on? Yeah, and it begs the question of how the project changed. Obviously, because as we know now, Baisha wasn't included. Do you think it was always um, going to be the final final village? I'm, I'm trying to think that original Kickstarter video, you know, where he was talking about the different locations that you travel, was it always destined to be the final location? I got the impression it was, um, but that, I mean, I, that's yeah, I'm, I'm making that assumption more than anything else. Because if it is, then it's it's still kind of it's out there that that could be still kept for Shenmue 4 because if it was the final thing that they were going to do and I know they, they replaced it with the old castle kind of thing but did they actually mm. replace what was intended for that location because we could still go to that location and you know it, it, that location wouldn't have been just for a place to house a castle do you know what I mean it, it, it's got to have been more fleshed out than that if they were considering all these different elements in the in the stretch goals yeah I'd be I'd love to see the original sort of design document around it i really would i reckon that that, that that'd be some that'd be a good lot of bedtime reading yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. but i think i think it was telling a little bit towards the end of this project about baisha because it was never mentioned publicly until they re-released the the stretch goals yeah. in the in the update 
and they've never mentioned it. You always had Bailu, you always had Niawu, but Baishu was never mentioned. And I know a few few fans in the community was were saying it's probably not going to be there, guys. You might want to prepare yourself for it. And they were right. We, you know, we were, it was a concern, but obviously we were still getting the game. So at the time we weren't we weren't really too worried and concerned. And obviously we never actually saw any of the, like you say, the Baishu village area in the pre-release footage or at the, any press conference events that went on that magic and stuff we never actually saw Baisha and that was always one of the things like places we'd like to see and Yu Suzuki seemed to care about that location he was he went there did his, his China research mm. uh, he mm. really liked the called Tohos or something like that the the circular shaped buildings he, he, that was one of the things yes. he really he really liked about that location if you remember in one of the Kickstarter development videos early on, there's a rendered model of one without the textures kicking around. So it was obviously in their thought processes and something changed. Could it be in Shenmue 4? Possibly. Like I say, if they've, if they've done the work on something like that, why not? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. You know, it could, they could. He's always chopped and changed the, the chapter things, you know, with the Shenmue. Shenmue 2, skipping Chapter 2 or whatever it was. I think it actually goes a little bit back to, I think, my first interview with Ryan. And he talks about how the main story arc for Rio is out and written and it's there. And we know what's going to happen. Well, they do, we don't. But some of the side stuff around it and the implementation of certain elements of side stories, chapters and things, it's very fluid. Mm -hmm. So I think I think it's just reflective of, of of the whole Shenmue franchise in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do think that there has to be more to that than there actually is because obviously you have got the Project Berkeley video and some of the Shenmue Online trailers that we spoke about in the previous episode. They must have had some sort of a vision for what what's you know what you're saying is it's more than just Rio's journey kind of thing with all those different elements going on with the magical mystical flying dragon in the sky in Shenfoir and changing into that white costume and um, Project Berkeley, you've got, there's, there's a lot of things there that they, they must be part of the overall narrative for the, the plot of the game. Yeah, and I'd be very interested to see how they flesh that out in, in, in the future instalments, hopefully when we get them. Um, but it... it I suppose it's a challenge, isn't it? Just going back to sort of the original point around Baisha itself, is you've advertised this third area and it's not in the game. And given our comments, as we talked about previously, about the media and how certain things were framed and all, and, and the rest of it, I was very surprised that it didn't get picked out more. Well, that's because the media doesn't know much, do they? Basically, they don't know about Shamu. Uh, you know, they, they can pick fun at the character models, the dead eyes and stuff, the easy target stuff. But really, when they get down to the nitty-gritty of it, they don't know uh, location names. You know, they, they they haven't been following the updates like we had um, or have, you know, like you say, if someone had brought it to their attention, maybe they would have milked it and said, like, oh, Shenmue promised three areas and we're only getting two yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, especially having stretch goals that were reached and then suddenly they're not going to be in the game kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm surprised it wasn't. I really, I, I genuinely was surprised that it didn't get picked out more by, by not but not just the media, actually, by, by fans. I think, actually, 
um, it was one thing that the community sort of took quite well. They sort of looked at it and go, well, we're still getting the features. We'd have liked to go to Baish. I think now looking back at the Shenmue 3 release and all the rest of it, that I think there's more desire to go to Baish and hopefully it makes an appearance. But actually the wider sort of scheme of things, I think it was taken quite well in the end, yeah. actually. It could have, could have been much, 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 much worse in that respect. I think that is mainly because of a testament to how well the game actually looked and, and played yeah. when it when it was released, you know. It didn't mm. actually need a third area. It was already a long game, really. Yeah, and I think you'd have been stretching content, and I, I, I wonder. And like Ryan said, these, you, you don't want to lack a quality, really, do you? No. Quantity over quantity, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... I yeah, it's it's quite yeah, it, it's striking that balance between you want a quality product but you want good content within that and you want enough content within it. And I think I mean there's arguments for and against it for Shenmue 3's mm-hmm. final product on both sides. Um but I think had they gone for a third area, I think that budget would have been really, really stretched and I think um the quality of that final content may well have suffered i mean we already know that the the, um the ending was a little bit rushed and and other bits and pieces anyway so i'm i'm glad in some respects that that it didn't make the final game um i think it could have been an issue um but fingers crossed it it come comes up in um it comes up in shenmue 4 or and if it doesn't then Maybe one day we'll get a nice little leak with with some extended footage, or, or the visit the area in the anime. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I mean, it's a whole project on itself. That one. That's a whole podcast episode itself. Um, but I, they could do. They could go there for the anime. They could. They could envision that story. And There's, there is a video here. Uh, I don't know. We can play it. I suppose. Well, I play it over the the YouTube footage. Yeah. This podcast, anyway. But we've got the um, Yu Suzuki actually talking about the stretch goals here, and he mentions quite heavily about Baisha and some of the things there. And as fans, we, we were discussing some of the things there. Horseback riding was something that was mentioned. I remember, like with the infiltration kind of thing into Baisha Castle area that was going to be in Baisha, whatever. And there's always that that image of Ren on the horse that's mm. like part of the classic concept art images and you know we were eventually going to experience that now perhaps with this this bysheer area mm. and I, I i find it hard to believe they, they just cut all that out and you know that's not needed let's just move on kind of thing because that was so ingrained in some of the original concept art it was and i remember there was an image of rio with the binoculars would he have binoculars above the, the, the tulu buildings looking at one of them in one of the artworks as well Oh yeah, and he looks like he's got binoculars or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that that's all all down to that the infiltration mission that was mm. was touted. and obviously this this concept art of Shenfar on a, a horse as well. So uh, I, I do I don't know where I remember hearing that, but I I, I remember something about horseback <laughs> being a thing anyway. So going through the rest of the stretch goals uh, after that we've got. Portuguese uh, subtitles, then about the attained uh, a new Kickstarter record there, video games category. Uh, battle system expanded, advanced free battle. Um, so, yeah, advanced free battle, I suppose. Maybe 
maybe they weren't even planning the battle system to be as developed as it ended up being. So that could have been a stretch goal that increased the amount of, well, increased the, the battle system to what we got. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, advanced, I don't know what how basic it would have been. Could it? Could it? And this is just an just a point I'm making, just thinking out loud. Is would there have been a lot more QTE sequences for the fighting? Possibly, yeah, like QTE cutscenes. Yeah, yeah, rather than the free system we got. So yeah, it's just it's an interesting point that we actually got a, a relatively free system nearish to the originals. And then some of the stuff that we didn't achieve, but we'll go into it in a minute with your list there, what we did actually get. So got mm -hmm. some of these still. Uh, battle system expanded, ragdoll reaction. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, there is a bit of ragdoll stuff going on. <laughs> we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. Battle system expanded, AI battling. Battle system expanded, higher ground battle system. And then there's a lot of like little extra mini gamey stuff thing coming now with Chobu area, mini games times four, and Chobu was in the Awu, if anyone didn't realise. Uh, betting games times four, Kung Fu Mastery, not sure what that was. Does um, that Kung Fu Mastery? I wonder if it sort of fed into the to the levelling system for the moves. Yeah, could could have been like his original ski tri uh, skill tree plan, perhaps. Yeah. Something. Mastery yeah. system up there, yeah. Uh, 8.8 .8 million was the new Kickstarter record if we'd have got that high for the games category. Mm. Uh, 9 million, uh, part time job in Chobu and Niawu. So we did obviously we got that. Uh, game stalls in Niawu. <clears throat> uh, Bailu Village, mini games times four. Bailu Village expanded again. Betting games times four. Bailu Village expanded Kung Fu Mastery. So they did have some sort of mastery system thing that they were planning for in both of the locations. Yeah. And then finally, right at the very end, uh, Magic Maze for Bailu Village, which I believe Magic Maze, at least in Shenmue 2, was that Guilin section at the end where the forest was like produced kind of on the spot, so it wasn't taking up the space on the disc. It was yes. like uh, a code a code that developed the forest as you reached that part of it, if, if that makes any sense. So yeah, instead it does. of like being a taking up a ton of space on a GD-ROM they just had a code that was creating the forest as you were playing which was a cool thing and that's kind of the term that was used back then was Magic Maze so possibly at 11 million we would have got some more of that Magic Maze sort of um, walking through the, the forest area with Genpoir maybe from maybe to a different village or I, I, I don't know where they would have put that part yeah it's interesting as to what it what it could have led to um who knows i, I think obviously sort of going towards the end of the, the um stretch goals here but we got a lot more than we bargained for in terms of obviously when we got when deep silver came on board that their funding obviously funded some of these some of the kickstarter goals that we didn't reach which is fantastic um so you've got that list the updated list yeah, so that the things that w we got that weren't reached at the time, we got the Chobu area expanded, which is the mini games. We also got the betting games, four of those each. We got the Kung Fu Mastery um, as well. Oh, I wonder what. I, I wonder if it's a. I wonder if it's a dojo system where you do all the fighting in the dojos. It could be, couldn't it? The, the Dan. Yeah. I, 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 I will ask if I ever if I. I will ask who somebody eventually. 
unless I'll tell you what it could be. Um, the training stuff where you, you you're leveling up his moves, maybe that's considered mastery. Yes, yeah, it could have been that as well. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's there's several interpretations of it, but we obviously got a kung fu system, so it, it was in it was definitely there. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Chebuary expanded part time job. My money is is, uh, is on the forklift. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I quite enjoyed that, to be fair. Um, I did. I did. I think you know it's not going to top Shemu One's part time job, but just no, as a but homage good. to the first game, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's good, good sort of nod to the first game. Um, we didn't get an expanded area of game stalls from Chobi. We didn't get that one with the with the um, publisher money from Deep, Deep Silver. That's interesting though because there is more than enough games and stuff like that in you know, we're in there. You've got probably yeah. too many arcades, if anything. And yeah, so I wonder what they were going for there. I don't know. It's interesting, more, isn't it? Yeah, more, more. Um, and then the last three that we got, we got uh, Bailey Village exp- expanded mini games, we got expanded betting games, and then we got the expanded Kung Fu Mastery as well. And as you as you've already said, James, we didn't get the expanded Magic Maze. Magic Maze, but we were never going to get that anyway because that was eleven million or whatever. So yeah, um, well, we never know. Nice, we're seeing what he planned there, but again, that would have just took more time, some more resources. So yeah, uh, in fact, really. The more stretch goals that we made, actually, the it, it could say, in terms of quality, was uh, it's going to be harder to maintain that level of, of quality. The more stuff that we got to put into the game, mm. it's interesting, isn't it? They were they were obviously very very ambitious, and I whatever people think of Shenmue Three, I salute the ambition wholeheartedly. It's Yu Suzuki. If he wasn't being ambitious, it wouldn't be his project. Exactly. Okay, so let's have a little break then now. So, Matt, have you got a song choice that you've picked out? I do indeed, and it's a favourite of mine from Shenmue 3. It's a rather odd name, this one. It's called Mother's Cooking, and it's where Rio meets the little girl in the first section of Bailu Village early on in the uh, game. Yeah, I like this song as well. I wonder why it's called Mother's Cooking. No idea. <laughs> okay, let's play that now.
So that was Mother's Cooking from the Shimmer 3 soundtrack. So moving on now, if we want to... I would like to read this text actually just in between, just because I think it's been quite interesting. So they've got where we left off, Ryo Ozuki has made his way to China in search of his father's killer. There he meets a new travelling companion, Shenhua, and learns of a legend from her village that has foretold their path together. The story continues as Ryo and Shenhua start off on a new journey that will take them farther into enemy territory, deeper into mystery, and ever closer to their destiny. Will the mystery of the Moors be revealed? How is Ryo's father connected to all of this? Will Ryo track down the Chiyo Men cartel and face Landy in a final showdown? Hmm. Interesting little text. It sells. It's, again, it sells it quite well. Um, I mean, obviously knowing what we got, and there's still a lot left. A lot left to be revealed. I think. Obviously, we got the final showdown. We'll say final showdown. We had a showdown with Landy, but it was more of a ceremonial yeah. ass kicking. <laughs> and the two men, I suppose, were there working with uh, Neo Sun, mm. perhaps a little bit. The, the men in the black suits. Yeah. Um, and I, I want more of that for Shenmue 4. Yeah, definitely. That's it's good. Uh, good introduction to Neoson anyway and see how mm. that progresses. So why Kickstarter? Since the release of Shenmue 2 now 14 years ago, I've been granted by the passionate outpouring of dedicated fans and Shenmue community members wherever I go. We all want to know one thing. When will Shenmue 3 be coming out with the advent of games using Kickstarter using uh, during these past few years? The new and now frequent demand from the fans has been do a Kickstarter for Shenmue 3. Shemu 3 was going to get made, I wanted to make it with the fans through Kickstarter, I knew that could happen. Together with the Shemu fans everywhere, I knew we could build a game series, game that the series deserves. If we do not reach our funding goal, Shemu 3 will not go forward. <laughs> it's a bit blunt. I know that the goal of making Shemu with the fans and seeing Shemu in the hands of games, gamers all around the world is a lofty one. We are balancing our ambitions for a grand sequel with the pragmatic realities of developing a game with a scale that will not be easy, but I have dreamed of making the sequel for 14 years. It's time to bring Shimmy back, and I want to make it come true. It will need the love and support from each and every one of you. So please join us in making Shimmy 3. Let us grow our community and build a new, exciting Shimmy experience. I'm not sure if Yu Suzuki wrote that. It sounds like he did. It's inter- yeah, it's 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 interesting some of the things he talks about in there. Obviously going to Kickstarter itself, that's heavily that's Ryan's influence all day with, yep. with obviously his experience with Republic and the successful Kickstarter there. Um it's interesting he talks about the ambition of the project, actually. He he seemed quite ambitious about it already in terms yeah. of what he wanted to deliver and what while obviously the final product is is, is one of debate through you know through people one way or yeah, on both sides of the argument let's, let's not beat around the bush about it he, um he was always going to be ambitious and i think it wouldn't be you suzuki if he wasn't and i think it would be a disservice to shenmue if he didn't try to be ambitious with it and try and create what he did and i think had he gone with the original idea of a sort of a, ta- a sort of telltale games side type of thing that was talked about initially um and this is something that ryan alluded to in part part three of the interview that i did with him i think we'd have got a very different experience and it wouldn't have been a shenmue experience criticisms aside for shenmue 3 is a true shenmue 3 is a true shenmue game and mm-hmm. and i think the team at WiseNet should be proud of what they produced maybe it was over ambitious Maybe it was a little bit too, you know, too leaning one way. But 
do you know what? We got a game that felt like Shenmue, and I think that that that's a big box tick for me. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I I completely agree as as well. It's it's a game that obviously we've all been waiting for for fifteen years since Shenmue two, and you know I think the game that we got in the end was the best that we could hope for under the circumstances, and um, you know went above and beyond my expectations for what we were actually going to get in the end anyway, so uh, I'm really pleased with the end product. So moving on, um, project members, uh, I don't know, we, the, there was a little bit of controversy in, towards the end when we got the, the credits rolling through at the end of the game, that some of these actual people here that were suggested to be part of the the series, uh, this this particular Shemu 3 project, didn't actually end up being the final, uh, you know, like um, who was it? The, the script writer, mm. as uh, Masa, Masahiro uh, Yoshimoto. Uh, I don't think that was the guy that ended up being, which could be a little bit of the the reason why some of the writing was a bit strange and some of the story wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't as much story as we'd hoped for. So I'm not sure what happened there. That particular person. I suppose you look at those, like the people who were touted to be involved in the initial project, who was and who was credited. Um, yeah. I mean, things get chopped and changed, I suppose, over the duration of a project. And it, it might be a question, actually, that gets answered through further interviews down the line as to why people yeah. were on the project then weren't. Um, well, you've got to think, at the time, the project was, if they were going for the two million goal, and they had an original, we got an estimated delivery date. If you're looking at the rewards here of uh, December 2017, so you're talking, it's announced in 2015. In their minds, this was going to be a two year project. So you can imagine, as it ended up being four, nearly five years project to the making, a lot of these members probably wouldn't stick around that long just for for one project, really. So that could be a reason why some of this was chopped and changed a little. Yeah, I, 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 we, we don't know, do we? What's, what's happened behind the scenes or anything like that? But I, it was reassuring at the time to see so many original project members back, and I think that was part of the selling point of the Kickstarter itself. Yeah, definitely got us on board. So these project members listed here: we've got director and producer Yu Suzuki, of course, co-producer Cedric Biscay, uh, creative director Takirai. Script again, I've just said, was Masa, Masahiro Yosh, Yoshimoto. Uh, we've got the main character design here, the legend Kenji Miyawaki. Uh, music, uh, obviously, Ryuji Uchi. Uh, again, another one there, we're not 100% sure what happened to Ryuji on this project, uh, but he does have quite a, still, still a fair chunk of tracks that made it into Shenmue 3. We've got the architecture guy, which uh, apparently was the, the same environment designer from the original Shenmue. Uh, that was Manabu Takimoto. Uh, and then obviously we got the original voice of Ryo, uh, Masaya Matsukaze, animation producer Hiroaki Takeuchi, uh, video director Kenji Itoso, and obviously the coordination from Awesome Japan, which... Uh, that that basically that is all the project team. So if you think there, what have we got there? We got one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 
and then three for us in Japan. So you've got 13 people involved with the very early stages of Kickstarter. And we know Cedric's not going to be able to develop the game. So he's not, he's only got the, the business side of the, you know, mm. project to, to manage there. So in theory, you've got Yu Suzuki, one, two, three people maybe here based to, to work on the game, different, some of the original people anyway involved. And you've got music from Ryuji, voice acting, you know, of Rio. That's not really a, a project member of such uh, in terms of getting the game made and built in the later stages to voice Rio. Obviously, it's a big thing getting him back. Uh, same with Corey. <clears throat> but really, uh, from this original team, and I, I don't know if they'd already assembled other people at that, that stage to, to work on the game. Obviously, we've got No Con Kid and a few others mm. that ended up being mm. part of the team, and I think the team only expanded as as we went along. But uh, it's be interesting to see what what they they originally did plan that they, they could do with such a small team at the time. Yeah, and I mean, you look through the project. Wisenet were hiring people to go on go on to the project itself, and there was a lot of outsourcing that went on as well for it. So I think as the the project developed and matured i think more and more people became involved obviously it's not the size of team that was involved in the original games but there's a good chunk of people who have worked on this game and i think just naturally over time some people have, have, have fallen by the wayside or left or, or whatever but i think for the initial for the initial selling point of so many original people coming back i mean you talk about like, like the environments for example they're shenmue mm. all day you can oh, tell yeah. you can tell that that there's a continuity between the three games, which is fantastic considering the gap between the releases. So yep. I think in some respects it's worked very well. I mean, the involvement of some of these project people could literally just be because they worked on the first games and they've you know they retained the documents yeah. that they used from you know the script. Maybe that's why they they announced that guy is he's still a member of the team because we're still using his script, you know, yeah, exactly. uh, the architecture guy. You've got drawings like you, you touched on early with the the Baisha area where Rio was overlooking the, those those circular buildings with these binoculars. You know that that could be the architecture that is the reason why this guy's named. It's not such because he's working on stuff now. It's because he's already done all that heavy work back in the day. Mm. Uh, you know, he's still going to get credited for it because th th that was his architecture design stuff. Yeah, um, very, very much so. So anyway, after that is the final part of this Kickstarter page, which is mainly the big chunk and obviously where a lot of the actual Kickstarted money obviously went to <laughs> to make these rewards. You know, it doesn't just happen for free. And I think a lot of people forget that when they, they see the budget there of 6.5 million. Uh, they think uh, it's gone straight into the project. You know, six point five million. He's bought a couple of cars and built a game kind of thing. But <laughs> you know, it's not that simple because, especially the way they did it, they did a lot of. Um, as soon as a, a reward was available, they shipped it off. So you think the cost involved with shipping off single items? I mean, I mean they spent a lot of money. They have, and you learned this through your project, James. That actually the yeah. Kickstarter total takes account of the shipping cost. Exactly. And then you've got the, the the fees that Kickstarter take off you. So you lose 10% straight away. The shipping is included in 
the turtle there, like you just mentioned. And in fact, when you, I got to it, the pie chart on Shenmue World that we, we designed, it's like half half of the the funding is, is shipping, which is mental, really. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know whether Shenmue 3 would have been quite that high a proportion, because obviously they had a bulk ordered stuff and bulk produced it. Um, yeah, to 70,000 people. It's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's if you crazy. think about it, let's just do some simple math there. So say the average is $20, because this is in dollars. I'd say $20, because to send something from, I don't know if everything was coming from Japan. I know, I think they did work with some companies to maybe lower the costs of their shipping. And, you know, the, the, our games were sent by a, a local UK thing. Mm-hmm, so they, they were like a warehouse and sent like, you know, 5,000 games to the warehouse and then they distributed them for like three quid of postage. So I suppose they saved a bit of money there. But in terms of the overall thing there, I'm sure they must have spent maybe not $20 per... Well, I bet they have because the amount of stuff that they, they sent out, like I say, it didn't all go in one one group shipping. It was all split across. So so even at $20 per person, 70,000 backers, that's a, a huge amount of money. That's is that one point four million? So yeah, it must. Yeah, it's it's got yeah, and you consider uh, they they estimated twenty five percent of that budget was going towards the shipping and the Kickstarter fees. Right. Okay. So, well, there you go. Yeah. So so you're losing what you know, around yeah one point eight two million two million dollars yeah. straight away from the project. That's a massive chunk of money. Yeah, and then six thousand from Kickstarter. So. You know, upwards of about three million. So half the budget almost is tied into rewards, shipping, and kickstart fees. I bet. So maybe out of that six and a half k, uh, six and a half million, maybe they had three million that went into the actual development. Yeah, between between three and four million, I would I would anticipate it's probably about a fair estimation, which does obviously bring into which is another thing to talk about another time, is, is how much money came from, from external funding. Um, yeah. And of course, obviously, the PayPal side. I'm not 100% how much they earned from that. But I think did they have a final total that was like something like 7.2 or something. Yeah, it, it sort of trickled along, didn't it, across the yeah. project. It, it all kept moving and kept moving, which yeah. was reassuring, actually, in some respects, because people were still finding yeah. out and backing it, which was nice. I think that a lot of fans get still carried on buying stuff over and over again. <laughs> Just as you know, they've got the pay slip, they were like, okay, I'll buy another t shirt or another mm. copy of the game. Um, possibly. Uh, so let's have a quick look at the rewards. So um, I might skip through a lot of this stuff because obviously it doubles up on each other. Yeah, cool. But $5, dollars you've got just access to the projects basically and updates. $29, digital copy. PC, PS4, so again, they never actually stated Steam. Uh, that was just, I think that was just one. Like I say, when you send out a Kickstarter update, if it's not 100%, if you make one mistake, it kind of haunts the project, really. Mm. They didn't actually specify Steam until maybe a Kickstarter update, and then obviously when they're designing the survey, they were saying, do you want a Steam copy or a PS4 copy? Mm. So that's when Steam actually came into play. So even though the media were touting that everyone had been promised a Steam copy, you were back in the game originally as just for the PC. And it's only because Epic wasn't a thing at the time that everyone assumed it would be Steam anyway. Yeah, we don't know how it could have been shipped or anything of the sort. I mean, 
I think we'll, we'll talk about this bit, I think, in more detail in a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's just got blown out of proportion, basically. Mm. Um, a little bit more, you get, what's this, your name? Your name on the official Shemi 3 website and some digital upgraded wallpaper for your phone and desktop and stuff, uh, which quite actually some quite nice um Yeah, there's some good artwork there. Yeah, good, good artwork there. 60 was the PC physical copy I've got here with that brownie shirt of orange sleeve. Quite nice. Again, another thing that was blown out of proportion. It's a cardboard sleeve. <laughs> you know, what are people expecting just from this digitally produced artwork? It's not even like a photo of what people just expect. <laughs> I don't know. what Are they expecting slip, uh, like a steel case there, just judging from that one little image? I think I think some people were basing it off other Kickstarters as well that did give steel yeah. cases. I, I don't know the ins and outs of it. Um, yeah, it, it just a physical copy of Shemu Three in an exclusive bucket only case. So it, it doesn't it doesn't think, state that it's cardboard. No, it, I think that's part of the part of the problem. Actually, it doesn't state what it is. That's true, it says the communication side of thing, I suppose. Mm. But maybe even at the time they they didn't know what. It's so hard all these different rewards yeah they, they, they may not have known what they were going for um and have they caught their shot early and said it was a, a a cardboard slip case would people have bothered with it we don't know but i do think it is in the communication a little bit there that had they said it was one or the other people couldn't have complained about it because they wouldn't would have known what they were getting i mean for me personally it was the least of my concerns but i know other people were a little bit miffed by it and it's down to the individual at the end of the day, but I do think some of them are out of proportion. Yeah, but even so, it's, it's a free thing, because at the mm. 60, that's the only way you were getting a physical copy at the time. And, you know, the slip slip case, it was an added bonus, really. If you, if you wanted a physical, you were going to get one anyway, even if they didn't say it was comes with a slip case, they could have just had a physical copy, and the slip case wouldn't have even been an issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. And in the end, because uh, that was one of the things I wanted to do, was saying, like, comparing the actual finished item to what we actually was touted on the, the Kickstarter page here. I quite like the sleeves. I think they look nice. I know they are in the cardboard, but uh, the actual design of them, the blue and the, the orange or red or whatever, brownish colour for the, the PC version, look nice on my shelf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so $80, we got the international phone card and game reward. Uh, I remember hearing you speak to Ryan about that being one of your, one of the things that worked quite well in yeah, it was very well done actually. It's one of my favourites. I think I, I know people are, were a little bit shocked by some of the English voices that were there, but yeah. actually the content of what they were talking about was very good, and it, I don't know that felt very Shenmue in the way it was presented. Yeah, it, it was a really good job on that one. I, in terms of what it was advertised, what we got spot on. Yeah, I think if you're a, an original game if, if you played the original games in japanese going into that might have been a different experience than what we get but yeah obviously true the, the english voices and you're expecting eric calso aren't you so um obviously that's where a lot of the uh mm, mm. <laughs> some of the negativity around that came from there just because of that but i still think it was really good really well executed so then, as we're moving on now some of the things they, they, they kind of grouping a lot of stuff together so the only actual benefit here, the extra benefit was the the trial version that we played. Um, when did that come out? That was that was that a few months before prior, maybe like three or four months before the game release. September, I believe, if my memory okay, is correct. Two, two months before release, then. Yeah. 
I enjoyed that. That was a just experience a little chunk of Shenmue three. Um, I don't know. Did they? Could you notice any changes from the trial version to the finished game? There, there was nothing that 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 stands out to me. Um, sort of thinking back to playing it. Um, it's a significant moment in Shenmue history that you're actually playing Shenmue three for the first time. Um, yeah. I and I, I, yeah, it was great for what it was, and it was nice to see they obviously came through on that. That in the end, I think the way they touted it was obviously mm. be the first to play Shenmue three in the world. Yeah. I think that 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 drew some some criticism because obviously That's media true. got to play it. Uh, I think at E3 2019, some media got to have a go on a 15-minute demo or something. I know there yeah. were some backers there that were like, you know, were were pretty peeved about it. I mean, my argument is, as much as I wanted to play it first, you can understand them showing it to the media because they need to get coverage for this thing. They need to sell yeah. it. So I, I think one of the things they said was like it would allow you to give feedback and then they could take that mm. on board. With it being only two months away, uh, you they couldn't really act on that feedback. No. And, uh, I don't know what, what were we expecting with the trial version? Like what? What? Because personally, I was expecting a kind of like a what Shenmue kind of thing, but for Shenmue three, where it, yeah, it's its own kind of thing, really. But we ended up getting that chunk chunk of the game with the the bookie. I, I could see why they didn't do a what Shenmue type thing as much as I wanted it and would have loved it. Um, it probably would have taken a chunk of money to do, whereas they've all they've had to do here is wall off a, a few sections and just allow you to play, play a chunk of the game. So, I mean, expectation versus reality on it. Um, my expectation, I, I really didn't have one. I wasn't sure at the time. I didn't even own a PC, so it was. I, I may have ended up giving it away, but. Um, I, I think that I think the way they sold it w- was one that grew some you know, grew some criticism, and I I think rightly so in some respects. But overall, it's not it's not a big issue for me. No, especially um, two months before the game's release. You, we, I, I was at the thingy back then. Like, should I even give it a try? Shall I just wait two 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 more months and play the full game? I don't really want anything spoilt. I think there was a few people in that mindset as well, Lou. Yeah, there, there were there were from 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 back in the back back looking at it. Um, so if I'm having to sort of mark it in my head, I would say sort of they've you know they've passed. Yeah, but um, I think room for improvement. <laughs> yeah, and also that came with your name, the credits, which uh, yes, got the of pack of credits, which were a bit insane, really. <laughs> mm. Uh, and then we got uh, toy capsules at the $120 tier, which uh, was give you a random oh, picture. Yes. And I think they turned out amazing, really. Um, especially the, the big four pack. Um, is that the version that you, you ended up with? with the, the, the... Yeah, I, well, yeah. I originally backed it $300. Okay. And then I, when they did the surveys, I, I upgraded it to get the full capsule set. And I'm so glad I did. For me, personally... Um, they are the best reward. They are brilliant. That's my favourite reward. Just the the overall design of the box to make it look like an actual capsule toy machine. And uh, I've I've kept the balls inside. Actually, I can see it from here. But I've got yeah figures all out. All four of them out on me. Michelle. Yeah, yeah. I I have as well. Um, great minds think alike. Clearly. <laughs> um, no, I, honestly. 
for me they 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 knocked that out of the park that was i love that reward yeah. it was fantastically well done the models uh, and they're even nice and small so they look like you know proper capsules or anything they're really well sized really well presented thank you very much widenet <laughs> Do you ever remember going McDonald's and they had those little turtle things? <laughs> this is going. Back. Yes, yes. <laughs> probably about twenty-five years, but they had like a big, big—I don't know how many they did. Maybe like fifty of them or something. There was loads of these little turtle things. They're that kind of size and that kind of style. Yeah. They? Like, uh, I, I don't know why. I just thought of that just as we were thinking about the the size of them. There. They're, they're fantastic. They are honestly. I mean, I know there's other rewards that we're going to go through in a moment, but but. They were they were really really well done and I, I salute WiseNet for that they were excellent. Yeah, uh, one hundred and sixty dollar tier. We've got the bonus pack and that came with a backer only advanced technique scroll, which I forget the name, but obviously if you did, got the one of the, the tiers or higher than that. I remember it popping up after you put your yeah I do you burnt this kind of thing. So that it did actually give us that. I just forget what name of the move it was. Interesting that it's um, exclusive to this, though. I mean, obviously, only rightly so, because that's what they touted it like. But it's it's a bit of a shame, really, that they've designed a, a move that no one can ever get unless they, you're a bat. And, and if you take it from a different... Um, take take your game, like, obviously, I backed for the PS4 version. And on the, I backed 1,500 because of it's insane. But obviously, that, that, that I picked PS4 on that, so playing the PC mm. version, I, I'm missing that technique scroll. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit of a disappointment I'm, in that regard. I'm, I'm glad they kept it um, exclusive, though, because I think, I think people would have moaned a little bit had it not. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, I'll come on to that in a bit. I don't know if it is, but this could be a thing like, is this going to be in the, the complete edition? Well, I suppose that would get a lot of hate, wouldn't it, actually? Yeah, I think that would cause a bit of a ruckus. Yeah. But then, again, say with the... This is another one of the rewards here, 20 capsule toy tickets. I remember these actual voice voice dialogue for like, oh, I should use a ticket. But I, I, you only hear that for the first time, don't you? After you've used those 20 yeah. toy capsules, you can never use them ever again, as far as I'm aware. No, once you've spent them in-game, that's it. That yeah. is definitely it. Which is a shame. There's uh, a little bit of dialogue there from Corey and from uh, Masaya that you're never going to hear again. <laughs> so, no. um, so we've got an MP3 download of the original soundtrack as well, digital art book, which we'll go on to when we go into the, the actual physical art book, how well that turned out. And of course, the black Shenmue 3 t shirt. It's black in the picture. Is it? Was it black? I can't. I'm thinking. It was the Kickstarter one was black with the sort of the yellow orangey back and the We Say Shenmue Shenmue Three logo on the front. Of course. And yeah. then the, the the slacker backer one was white with blue on the back. Um, yeah. And if anyone wants to sell me one for a reasonable price, I'm open. <laughs> I was lucky there because I originally I, I did that just because I wanted to get like a medium size and a large size just in case one of them ended up being you know a tight fitting. So I, I kind of looked out there that I ended up with the, both of the variants. I was because they, they didn't actually say you were going to get a a slacker no. back specific t-shirt that was going to be a different design until you know until they were making them. No, and I'm a bit gutted by that, but never mind. Oh, printed art book at one seven five. Uh, what did you think of the, the actual printed art book on on the Kickstarter image? Here it looks 
like it was going to be a, a portrait style book. <laughs> uh, the, they've got a picture of Rio in his, his green training outfit in Chamfort, but actually it ended up being a, a nice sort of coffee book table. Yeah, it, I, I was impressed with it overall. I know, and I know it's these same in, images that are in the digital version. Of you got, I think there was an extra message in the cover, wasn't there? In yeah. Japanese, which was a nice little touch. Um, but in terms of the quality of the product, in terms of the way it's presented, I, I really like the artwork on the front of it, actually. It, it, um, what we got was really, really nice. I think overall, yeah, it was a good quality reward and well mm -hmm. worth the wait. And I think a lot of people were surprised, actually, how good it was. Yeah, I agree. And I think in tandem with the Pix and Love art book, if you've got that as well, you've got a really nice collection of artwork there from concept art of... Mm you know, throughout the whole series, really, up till uh, the, the Shema 3 printed Kickstarter art book here, which has got more more of the modern side of what they, they were designing uh, around it, It's interesting when you look at the Kickstarter art book, because it has the, 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 the start of the castle section, and it has that pawn shop in it, and there's a lot more people walking around. Oh, and... yeah, 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 yeah bits and pieces so it's it, just more fleshed out as well that area yeah yeah it's just an interesting point to, to sort of note isn't it more than anything else and it's not strictly related to the reward itself but it's just an interesting point yeah uh 250 we got the illustration which uh at three 300 you could get that illustration signed as well what did you, you make of the illustration it's quite a nice piece yeah, um, quite quite a nice piece of work, actually. I, I wouldn't want to be uh, Yu Suzuki signing all of the <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. poor man. Um, no, quite happy with it. Um, it was packaged well when it turned up. It's good quality. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I quite like it. I really like it. Yeah, I know the picture they've got here is like a, a pencil drawing of Rio, but I, I quite like the one we ended up with. It's like fresh art, brand new art based on Shemu Three. Begs the question, there was an update through the Kickstarter, I can't remember when it was, where Yu Suzuki was signing some artwork that wasn't what we got. So I wonder what happened to that stuff. I, I, uh, yeah, now you've, now you've uh, brought that up. Yeah, he was signing something, wasn't he? And so it, it wasn't the artwork we ended up with. It was a, a different thing. Mm. I have to dig yeah, that out I, and uh, I'll put it on the, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll put the picture of that up as we're talking about it. Hmm, interesting. Um, we also got a backer-only arcane technique scroll and a skin change feature for Rio's jacket. Can you remember which one that was for the... That was... Yeah, it was to the black Yokozuka one. That's it, yeah. That was that was quite a nice jacket. Yeah, that was. I remember when, the, when they did the update for it, and actually everybody on the forums was, was really impressed with it. It's proper nice that jacket. Like they need to make a, they need to make one. Like unless someone needs to make it. Insert queen clothing. Yeah, well, yeah. Here we go. Another another way to rinse our wallets. <laughs> and uh, the two fifty one came with a physical CD soundtrack as well. And again, that's a, I think that's a nice collection of... Um, I think it's more of a curated Shenmue 3 soundtrack. Yeah. But I, I like, I personally like that it's the Japanese style with the obi strip and um, the nice, some nice new artwork there as well. And 
Uh, I, th- I think they, d- they did a good job there as well. Yeah, I, I like it overall. I haven't actually opened it because I've got the MP3 soundtrack on here anyway, so it's I have no need to open it. And I like the style of it, and I like the artwork, and it's very it feels nice in your hand. It's good quality from having it in the sealed in the sealed plastic. I know there's a few people disappointed they hadn't translated the tracks, um, but I'm sure Switch or there's or someone will translate that down the line anyway. So it's just probably a case of watch this space. But overall, quite happy mm-hmm. with it. Yep, same here. And moving down now, we've got some sort of uh, the like red framed reward images here, and I'm thinking these were ones that were added. So the original ones are actually like the the yellow frames here, but I think these red ones were were added as we went along because I remember some of these rewards were kind of designed for demand really. So we got a six six hundred dollar, which was Shemu Gasbuk reward. Uh, that's just allowed you to to put your name in a hundred and forty character message in the guestbook, which I think I'm I'm trying to think now. I'm I'm oh I'm a, I think I'm about halfway through that one. There's, there's no this one book actually the the one in the hotel, um right on the reception desk. I think I might even be the first name in that, which is you, crazy. You you're certainly <laughs> certainly early on in it. I I. I I remember seeing your name in there. I got lucky with mine in the one on the reception desk because someone was giving away their rewards and I, I offered them some money for it. And he said, no, and I'll let you do it anyway. That's crazy. You you looked out because you got the 1,500. You got the, the tier that I went at, really, and had your picture. Yeah, the, I, got really, building, I got really lucky. Really I cool. can't remember the, the dude on the forums who did it now. Um, and I offered him some money and... and but there we go. Oh yeah, that's really cool. And in, in fact, thinking now, this Shemu Gas book at the six hundred tier, this is an extra extra thing really because we ended up with two two books, one in the reception and one in actually in Rio's room. We did yeah. The one in Rio's room, was the the one thousand five hundred, I think. Well, yeah, you had the messages, Perhaps. didn't you? Not, not sure. Yeah, the messages. Yeah. Um. So and unless put your name and one hundred and forty character message. Is it just the name that's in the reception? Yeah, and it's, the just, it's, just the, it's just your name yeah. in uh, in the guest book at the reception desk, and then in Rio's room, it's the messages. Message, that's it then, yeah. Uh, 700 Dice Dude. Um, seen a few of them that say they, they turned out quite well. I'm not sure. I, I didn't really go out my way to collect them. <laughs> I can tell you, having screen captured every single damned one for the dojo, <laughs> um, they came out well. Um, they look quite nice, actually. Um, good job. <laughs> That's good. Uh, $800, Shemu Patreon. Your name will appear on a Chobu temple in Chinese characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that'll be that temple at the top where he's, got, he's ransacked or whatever, and he's saying, um, if you've got time, I'll look in the back. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. Um, that's where all of them are, yeah. Uh, receive a PDF of your name in Chinese characters. It will appear in the game. It's saying here, find your name in the temple and receive a special technique scroll. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but judging from the way that you input your back code in the the menus of the game, and you get exclusive kind of content related to that, I suppose it's it's, it's a possibility that you look at your your name and you get a reward, perhaps. Possibly, I'd, I'd, I'd actually say no. I, I, yeah, I'd be interested. I don't know if it's been confirmed or not in that respect. Um, but yeah. It, I forgot about that, you know. Yeah, so I don't know what scroll you got from that. Uh, if anyone knows, if, if that was a reward that you picked, let us know. be interesting to uh, find out if 
you look at uh, your, your name on the wall and you actually get rewarded. Uh, $900, we've got Lend Shemu a Hand. So this was like the fortune teller sort of thing. You get your hand, all your lifelines and that sort of stuff printed on the hand inside the book. I remember that turning out quite nicely, to be honest. I don't yeah. think there were many backers. No, it... uh, seven backers. But I remember looking through it. It's nice. Yeah, it looked it looked very nice actually for for what it was. Um, yeah, good job. <laughs> good job there. Uh, one thousand dollars. We got the voicemail uh, voice message from Corey Marshall. See, at the time, I was thinking this was Rio was uh, Corey was going to phone you and leave a voice message on your phone. That's what I, I don't know. <laughs> did, they, did they word it like that for, for me to have Corey Marshall, who plays the main character, will do a special voice message for you. So I suppose they didn't, but that was just what I was thinking in my head at the time. And since then, we've heard Chow, Chow released the message that he mm. got. Yeah, uh, it's, and it's, it's quite a nice message. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a nice message, and um, I, I, I think that. From, from the content of it, it was, it was very well done. I, I know some people may have assumed it might have been a more personalised message than it was, but I can't imagine. I don't know how many backers there are for it. Uh, eight, eight for that one. Okay, so yeah, you could. Well, otherwise, there is some um, later rewards that say like includes the Rio voice message as well. Mm. So this this more than eight, but like say, but he, he only really needed to record one message, I suppose. Yeah, would have been nice. Yeah, it's one of those things that you know you probably oh it'd be nice if it had been a personalised message, but given the time constraints that might have been on it as well, I th- yeah, what 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 was released was you know great, not a problem with that at all. Hi there, Dio Hazuki here. Thank you so much for supporting Shenmue Three. The fact that we can continue our journey makes me so happy. But my journey is no walk in the park; it's dangerous. I will face many who are strong, and in order to beat them, I must continue training and get stronger myself. Let me tell you, when things get tough, your support really keeps me going. As I continue down my path, I'm sure to face new, even more powerful enemies. But I won't run away, because I still have something I have to do. It looks like it's time to go. I hope you're ready. It'll be all right. With you here, I can overcome anything. Welcome to the beginning of a new Shinmu. So, uh, moving on a little bit now. So, the $1,000 tier, this vintage grab bag, another $1,000 tier. Mm. Uh, I've actually managed to pick up one of these. So, I've got the, the actual bag looking at it right now. I'll show a picture of it. And um, nice the one bag. that I got came. Yeah, it says it's decent. The one I came, it came with was with the, the blue Timex watch as well. The, it's like the digital oh, um, yeah. LED version. It's quite an unusual item. And um, the artwork by Kenji Miyawaki. Um, that's nice. Mine is Fukusan. Uh, I'll sh- again, I'll share a picture if you're watching this on YouTube. But it's, I've also put it in the Shemu World magazine, actually, as a bit of a collection highlight thing. Uh, nice little artwork, hand-drawn. Uh, really nice. Then... So 1,200, we've got a Temple of the Blooming Flower. Oh, let me just mention, obviously, that those items weren't made for Shenmue 3. Those were, like, just leftover stock from the first mm. game, I think. The, like, the watch and, obviously, the this, the drawing was new from Kenji. <clears throat> but some of the, the actual... Oh, and, the, and the, obviously the bag that says Shenmue 3 on. <laughs> but the Timex watch and that sort of stuff was uh, just old stock that Yu Suzuki 
I think I'd been holding on to for all this time for some reason. Yeah, it's amazing how much of it there was. Yeah, that's true, yeah, because he, he made quite a few little grab bags and stuff. Um, so moving on, Temple of the Bloom Flower, get a Chinese character of your choice to represent yourself drawn in ornate calligraphy. Find your character displayed at the Temple of Bloom Flower and get a special technique scroll. So there's another one where if, if you backed at this thing and you've got a specific special technique scroll by looking at your name in the temple, that'd be interesting. And you get the physical hand-drawn calligraphy of your character. And I believe, I, I, I don't know who it was, but I think someone did share this on the forums. I'd have to look. I'd have to look on our media section, but I'm pretty sure there's one on there. Yeah, so this only got eight backers, but I do remember, well, I feel like I remember seeing one of these calligraphy hand-drawn things that look really nice as well. Another 1,200 tier, we've got the Chibi U capsule toy. So this was you as your face on yeah. a Chibi figure. And again, I suppose you've seen all of them. <laughs> I have, and they're very well done, actually. Um, and they've, they've kept it all sort of generic in terms of the presentation of the single character with the, and then just changed the face, which I can see they've done it for yeah. sort of time constraints purposes. Yeah. yeah, lovely. I've seen every single one of them. Uh, find them on our media section. <laughs> very, very, yeah, go, with, go there right now and have a check at all of them there, unless you want to go collect them in the game, I suppose, as well. So Dreams Come True, 1,400. Your name and birth date will be written on a traditional wishing plaque to be displayed at a temple in Bailey Village. Find your plaque and your wish will come true. Um, so again, this is um, another one of those in-game sort of things where you get a bit of a cutscene that says, oh, go check out this part of the temple or whatever. I think this might be the... Um, oh no, this is the... This is the... They'd be called Ed, Edda, Edda or something like that. Yeah. Uh, these plaques that are displayed mm. in, the, in the temple. By the by the village. No, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice reward actually. It's just as you're sort of starting to find out a bit more about the mirrors, isn't it? You, you if you look to the left of the temple, they're all there. And you can sort of scoot through and have a look at them, and there's some nice messages in there as well. Yeah, a, a nice reward, I think. Yeah, I remember looking through them all, just curious to see what people have put. And then we've got the one thousand five hundred tier, which the tier that I backed uh, to get your pick photo in the harbour waiting area it says but obviously this ended up being inside the Save Shemu building Yeah, uh, and I think if you want to find me as soon as you go through the door just turn left and I'm the, the, the top left photo of the first um, first display of all the photos and I believe, are you the last section Spud? I am yeah, I think I think I think I'm at the back section. It's probably probably best because I'm <laughs> uh, me and me and photos and smiling are not are not a good thing. Um, but yeah, again, I I, I got I lucked out with that, and basically we're now immortal. That's true because yeah. we're in a game forever. Yeah, it's very nice. I think it, in fact one of them's got a, a joke on it that says something like "Help, I'm stuck in a video game." <laughs> it does. Yes, one of them does. I can't, oh, that, that made me chuckle when I saw because I looked through through all of them anyway. And um, yeah, there's some really cool stuff in there, and it, it's a nice, nice reward. And I, I lucked out on it, but I think if I was backing now, with, uh, yeah, and because I didn't have the money to back it that high at the time, if I was backing now and had the money, I'd certainly go for something like that. It's a fantastic reward. I really think it was, um, yeah, great reward, really clever, and it's just a nice nod to the fans. And yeah, really good. Yeah, uh, one thousand eight hundred best friend forever capsule toy. So this is. Um basically just the same as the the previous capsule toy reward but they put you alongside one of the, the main characters 
Yeah, yeah, they do. See, seen all of them. They're all there. <laughs> Very well done again. Job done. Good stuff. Uh, Shemu bait and tackle at 1,800. This is to get your name on a fishing rod or lure. And when you're out in this purchase, you'll get a close-up reaction from Rio. So, they, yeah, again, they did include that stuff. Um, he did. Like an extra little cut scene, which is pretty cool. 2,000, we've got a bigger vintage grab bag. So just more classic uh, Shemu items there included. In fact, you get both the silver and the blue watch uh, included in that one. And like I said, that includes... So this is pretty cool, to be honest. It includes the Rio voice message by Corey Marshall and the Templar Blooming Flower Rewards. So I do remember at one point thinking, like, this was one of the things I may go for because you still end up with some decent extra additional rewards there. But uh, obviously I, I didn't fork out that much and ended up with the photo. Crystal Memories at 2,500. So this is an interesting piece. And... Again, I think I've seen one image of someone with this. Uh, Crystal Memories. It's, it's kind of like a, a laser engraved 3D lighting display. And yeah. It's got Rio and Shemphar in it. It's probably the same sort of image from the art book, if you can picture that. The front yeah, it is. It's that, it? but etched inside a, a light thing. It's very nice. Very, very nice reward I'd, I'd say it's very elegant actually in the way it looks yeah it um, looked better than it looked a bit tacky on the kickstarter page here uh, but the one that they actually got looks really nice like really nicely etched crystal yeah i i, I would I'd, I'd agree with that i thought it, i thought um very good reward um we've got i think there is only six people back there so how many that's six so six. it's probably one of the rarest shemu items Ooh. if they only ever made six Ooh. That's Ooh, one of yeah. the things you'll never ever be able to get. <laughs> yeah, no, hang on to those if you've got them, whoever's got them. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we've got a really special tier. There's 2,500 Shemu character busts. Um, so really nice. There's two of Rio, four of Shemphoir, three of Ren, and three of Landy. And it said first come, first serve. And I was, I was lucky enough to be able to purchase one of these off uh, some guy after the Kickstarter was finished mm. for some reason. I don't know why you'd ever want to sell these, but uh, there was a guy selling one, and um, I, I dare say I'd, I hadn't recovered originally from the Kickstarter as it was, but I knew I, I couldn't miss out on an opportunity like this. And no. it's actually, uh, I'll put a picture of it on the screen as well here, but it's, uh, it's a really nice one of Landy. Yeah, it's a really nice bust you've got there. Um, it's, well, it's a piece of video game history because if you think back to those original videos with Yuzuki in them, they're all in the background, aren't they? Yeah, it's amazing watching that actually now. I'm thinking like bloody hell, I've I've got that up here and that's it's literally there on on the video. It, it's it, they they are really uh, I'm I'm jealous of the people, including yourself, who've got one. Um, I never expected. One. It was it was one of those those once in a lifetime opportunities. Really, I mean, obviously, a second once in a lifetime opportunity because I could have backed it in the Kickstarter had I um, acted at the time. But to get a, a second chance like that, it's like I say, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And the guy actually, he only lived like an hour away, which is crazy considering mental, <laughs> how worldwide. It's mental, yeah. mental considering, yeah. Sure it's, 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 yeah, they are, they're really nice rewards. I know there's a mixture, isn't there? Some of them have got some sort of colouring on them in mm -hmm. terms of the characters. I know yeah, that one guy, uh, 
butchered. He got a painted one with a, a, a black beret <laughs> for Chamfort. Funny, isn't it? It's interesting. And I know that some are made slightly differently to others. Um, I remember talking to somebody through our Facebook page, because we were all trying to work out who'd got what, who'd got them. And there's yeah. a guy on the Facebook page got got a Rio one, which was slightly different to another one that was on the forums. Um, but they all got, came certified, which is really nice as well. And it, oh yeah, there's um, an awesome certificate, and, and even the certificate signed by Yusuzuki as well. Yeah, uh, really nice little bonus item. They're they're proper proper nice rewards. And I remember at the time there was a lot of people that almost threw out that certificate because it was so. I think it was it was not very obvious inside the box because the box is full of um, these little white bits, you know, like a cushioning kind of thing, like loads of these little faulty things and just loads of random stuff in there. And, and I think a lot of people missed the certificate, really, if they weren't expecting it. And even the guy that sold the bus that I ended up getting, I asked him if there's a certificate included and he said, I haven't seen one. And then I, I made him check inside the box. And he's like, oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> so I hope... No one's thrown out any of them. Imagine. Oh no! Oh, I shudder at the thought of that one. Yeah, getting to the tail end here now. So Rio's jacket, three thousand replica. I think that is one of the last remaining boards that we haven't actually seen. Yeah, uh, Chow has has backed for it. I think it's being dispatched towards the end of the year, but don't quote me on that. You'd have to. We'd have to ask him. Yeah, but as soon as he. He gets it. I'm sure we'll get a photo of him and we can yeah, put that on Twitter. Yeah. We can one of Chow's tweets if he tweets about it. So keep an eye out for that if you're interested in seeing how that came out. Uh, 4,000 tier just added um, get your face and name on an in-game lucky hit board. And uh, someone did say recently that they did that quite tastefully really because at the time it, it looked like a bit of a funny concept. Just uh, some, mm. some body random face on a lucky at board but actually they turned out quite nicely didn't they in the um the golden goose sort of area there's uh this i think there's three was the three backers i think there were three backers uh, sammy malik isn't, isn't he one of them that's true yeah sammy is and um where is the tier of four thousand uh lucky hit boards see it only says two backers <clears throat> so oh, i, I wonder who that third person is because there, there could have been a third face could have been a slacker, slacker backer. I think it's a, a female, female one. I think it's two male, male Sammy, someone else, and um, I think there's a female face as well. But yeah, they turned out quite nicely. Hmm. Uh, Four thousand five hundred name of vendor, which we got one backer, and I think this is George Kitchen because it was. Uh, as you first see Ren for the first time, he's actually ordering food from it. I think it says. Um, <laughs> You know, kitchens, something, don't it? Um, I think it's his full name on it, isn't it? Someone, George Kitchen Noodle Bar or something. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, I mean, they've kept all the promises with all these rewards, despite what you'd would have been led, led to believe by mm. some people. Five um, K, we've got an even bigger vintage grab bag. So it's just, it's literally every single classic reward here that they've just put in, in one big pack. Both watches, some CD cases, uh, the Rio figure from Person Figures, poster, mouse pad, pen, notebook, desk clock. I don't even know what a desk clock is. I've, I've never ever seen a desk clock for Shamu, so 
Um, yeah, that's a really rare item there if, if someone got that. 6,000, we've got Chobu Traveller, the non-playable character. And again, I think that was, was that George Kitchen was, was one of the Kitchen brothers. It it's, was, I can't remember which one. Um, so, so that's cool. Yeah, is the two of them? Let me just double check that. Uh, four backers. Ah. So I don't know. I can, off the top of my head, I can only think of of George or or one of the others. Yeah. That's the only one. Anybody? Any uh, the three of you who are NPCs in the game? Give us a shout. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see which ones you actually were. Uh, I always thought that guy that does the the love quest looked a bit like a backer. Remember in Bailey Village. Oh yeah. Very sends you on the errand of chatting to um the obviously the the, the woman and the mm. forget her name, but he always looked a bit out of place, kind of like he, he maybe he's a, a non-playable character, possibly. Possibly. Voiced though, so someone's voiced him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then ten thousand. These are the ten thousand dollar tiers now, the last ones. So Rio's jacket, the original, and we know I think a Japanese fan bought that off the Slackerbacker. It was, wasn't it? A big Japanese pop star got it. Something like that, yeah. Like a, I don't, I forget his name. We should maybe have done a bit, a little bit more research, but <laughs> uh, someone definitely bought it like that. Uh, yeah, I mm, so a big name in Japan bought it. I remember seeing the photos on Twitter of it. Looks really nice. Um, yeah, great. Jealous. <laughs> Another, you know, one of a kind. Holy crap. Yeah. And uh, the you know, the the dinner stuff now. So we got the the dinner with Yu Suzuki and a script set. So this was the the original one. This was when uh, Peter Campbell backed this and um, Adam Sifioni, um They en- attended this, didn't they? Along with um, Landy C. I forget his real name. Is it Matthew Kilpatrick? Uh, attended. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, they they're now in possession of the the original Shenmue script sets, which you know I'm I'm personally really jealous of as well. I am. I'd be getting those translated to to know what the content of them. Were. I I I know that they're under strict instructions not to share them publicly, and that's completely understandable. Um, I do understand there was some issues with them being distributed originally, but I'm glad they've come yeah. through. Actually, because you you basically mortgaged your house exactly for a meal with Yuzuki. You've obviously seen some pre. You had to pay to get there. Yeah, it's it's a considerable amount of money, and you've got some. Yeah, you've met Yuzuki. You've got you've got to see Shenmue three, an early build of it. You also get the script sets, which probably on their own now. If you try to sell them, don't do it anybody because it's ridiculous <laughs> if you do. But I, you you you. Double or triple your money. It's gaming history right there. It really yeah. is. It's a museum, really. But Yeah. Uh, and then other $10,000 tiers, we've got BHMO3 NPC, and these are these these five backers here, and these are the five that you fight just before beat the kind living. of like the room and Titia. Beat them up. <laughs> they all, it's, it, it, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Obviously... If if you're one of those people, I bet you you know you're really impressed. <laughs> but they do look a little bit out of place when you get there. Yeah, they do a little <laughs> bit. I don't know about paying ten thousand dollars to get my ass kicked, but <laughs> quite easily unless you're on nightmare mode, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, it's a cool little reward, isn't it? At the end of the day, but I do agree they look slightly out of place. And then we've got uh, last two is the the Monaco dinner and the USA dinner, and they both got a replica Rio jacket. 
and um, I think Chow attended the the Monaco dinner actually. He did yes, uh, which is why he's getting he's getting one of those replica jackets. That's the reason why. Um, so that that's that yeah. So so that is all the rewards there. And to be honest, they delivered every single reward that they said they would. So there's there's no there's no concerns there. Everything's probably even better, in my opinion, than originally anticipated. Like we were saying, you know, my favorite items. The capsule toys probably and uh, well uh, item that i ended up getting the, the character bust of course mm. but an actual brand new item reward designed for this kickstarter yeah i think the capsule toys win it for me yeah they definitely win it for me actually i think it's such a good idea and actually i don't understand why people like sega or wisenet aren't marketing further capsules for Shenmue because they are really, really not... Because you obviously got, like, Landy in the game, got Ren in the game. You've, I think you've got Joy, got Zhuing. Uh, I think Fang Mei possibly as well. Yeah, would be um, nice. They, they need to be marketing those and selling those. They'll make a fortune. Interesting. Um, I'm just noticed just below the reward stuff, there is a, an expert an excerpt from Budget Statement from Yu Suzuki, apparently. So I don't know when this was added, but this seems to... Oh. Uh, go over the, the Sony thing here. It says, WiseNet and I have been putting in many long years trying to find a way to back bring back a sequel that so many fans have waited so long for. After learning Kickstarter, I knew it would be possible to get Shenmue 3 started. Wanted to make the best game possible. I also knew that I would have to look to more traditional means to obtain all the funds that would be needed to create the game I envisioned. I can say that with their assistance on the production and marketing end, and in Sony's case with some publishing support as well, WiseNet is able to uh, use more of the money we collect through Kickstarter purely for Shenmue 3's development. It's also important to note that your funds are going strictly to YSNet and uh, for development of Shenmue 3. Sony and Shibuya Productions are not seeing a cent of your Kickstarter dollars. So I don't know if that was added. It must have been. I don't think it was there originally. I think it so was. So that's kind of an oversight really if uh, that's always been there <laughs> I, but, yeah. I don't think it was i think that's part of where the contra the, the controversy in inverted commas yeah. came from um had it been there from the beginning i don't know how many people would have read it and bottom it who knows but oh, that's quite way down that that really needs even after all the 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 you know the negative press and stuff that needs to be at the top of the page really so that's probably another Another thing I'd say is improvement. That that message needs to be out there from the start. Yeah. And if agreed. it's thing, it's getting a lot of headlines and stuff. That needs to be at the top, really, because agreed. no one's no one's scrolling down and noticing that. Uh, after all that. Yeah, it's a shame that it took away from the Kickstarter a little bit. That some people who may have backed it just assumed, "Oh, I'll pick it up on release." Because Sony are putting some money in. Um, from 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 the understanding I have of of it like from talking to cedric and people there was obviously some money exchanged around exclusivity around marketing and some publishing but that was it so there wasn't a Mm. huge amount that came in from sony in the grand scheme of the budget and we don't and i don't know what happened to that deal when deep silver came involved so yeah I i just wish that was communicated more effectively because i think that would have had an impact on the final kickstarter total yeah, well, communication's key, and if I was going to criticise the Kickstarter at all, it would be the communication, I think. If that had been improved, I think, like Cedric was saying, we would have probably seen more funding, maybe we would have reached the 10 million, maybe we would have seen you know, more more of the, the stretch goals and stuff that they were, they were hoping to include in there, uh, not necessarily 
a, a better quality game in in the thing because I, I think what we did get was was really good quality in general. But you know, perhaps we could have seen a, a few things more fleshed out, and um, it would have been interesting to see if we could have reached ten million had things been communicated a little bit better. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that sums that up quite quite well actually. I think sort of going through this Kickstarter individually and going through rewards and going everything, going through everything. You obviously then got to consider sort of the communication going forward as well. Um, yeah. It was, it... And, and this is a, this a learning, learning mm. thing really. Isn't it? They definitely learn from this going forward now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think obviously there's, there's sort of an elephant in the room, isn't there with the Epic deal and the way that was communicated to backers and the steam issue, which, just for the record, for anybody who's uh, who's unsure, I, it it was never mentioned, and James has said this repeatedly. But Steam was never mentioned on the original Kickstarter, so it was assumed by a lot of people it probably would be myself included. I must admit, I, I'll be uh, hold my hands yeah. up. I thought it probably would be, um, but oh, Epic wasn't at the time, was it? No, the Epic it, it wasn't, and I th- and I think that's part of the sort of the outcry around it. Um, they obviously mentioned Steam in, I think it was in the survey in 2018 when they came out, and then it obviously moved over to Epic and the, the controversy that sort of was around the way that was handled. Let's be honest, it, I think it did some damage to the IP. I think it did some damage to the franchise and the way it was communicated and the way it was handled. I think it was handled very, very badly. And I also. Yeah think that it, it shot WiseNet in the foot because they had nothing you know, they didn't see a cent of it and the understanding I have is it was a publisher decision and a decision that didn't sit well with a lot of Shenry fans do I care what launcher I play my games on absolutely not I couldn't give a monkeys but no given the for want of a better word outcry around epic at the time as well, and the, the the sort of resistance towards it, which was very similar to when Steam came about and they started replacing CD drives in PCs, if anybody remembers that. So it's, it's, it's the same with Google Stadia and this sort of stuff. These these people that are, say stuff now, but then, you know, come five years' time, we probably will be playing games on those sort of services, those cloud-based services, just because of the convenience side of things. It's... it's, it's, it's it, uh... I think there's a very small group of people out there who just get outraged at everything, and that was what they jumped on with with the epic deal. That aside, I do think it was handled very, very badly. And I think if you had to highlight an an image of the Kickstarter for the non Shenmue fan, I guarantee you that's probably the one thing they remember that you know backers were getting backers getting screwed and all this that and the other that's when the word scam was being thrown around again yeah and 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 it, and it still is by by some people unfortunately and i think that's just that i think that's damage that that will take time to heal and and is is very unfortunate for the franchise because I, I really do think it had a negative impact but you take that outside out of the Kickstarter and you look at it as a whole, we, we, we've covered it. Communication could well have been better. I think the rewards on the whole are excellent. Um, if, if they want, if you want to look at the rewards for that Kickstarter, I know people moan a bit about the slip cases, um, but that's a personal preference sort of thing. The capsules are fantastic. The art book's really good. The CD soundtrack, great. 
and you, you see some of the more, you know, the higher tier rewards and the, the in-game stuff. They've delivered. They've delivered every reward. And it's just interesting, you know, just risks and challenges they've got at the bottom of the page. So let's see what their their original risks were that they, they you know, assuming that they would uh, come across. So risk and challenge are two words that have been with Shenmue 3 for the past 14 years. In fact, Shenmue has always been about risk and challenge. This time will be no different. The real challenge is now to deliver a sequel that will be satisfied with after 14 years of waiting, after much research and planning, we set the funding goal at this level, believing it will make a possible, it, it will make possible, uh, this is bad English. We set the funding goal at this level, believing it will make possible a fulfilling Shenmue experience. Okay. With regards to development of the game, we have an experienced team deeply connected with the Shemu franchise, with modern tools, experienced professionals, and the community of Shemu by our sides. We have set ourselves up for success. We will do our absolute best to deliver Shemu 3 and the rewards by their respective deadlines. However, there is always the possibility that problems may arise which could affect reward delivery. There may end up being changes in the game or reward design. We may press right when we're supposed to press left and get hilariously headbutted and knead in the groin. Okay. <laughs> in these Very well played. Yeah. In these situations, the whole Shemu 3 team promises to keep you updated and informed on the game development and reward delivery progress. We're all very excited, ambitious, and optimistic that we're, we're prepared well and are ready for the challenges that are ahead of us. Rio and Shenhua are not out of the woods yet, so we ask for your ongoing support. And and saying that, you know, there has been a lot of challenges that they've had to go through, mm. especially this year or last year, rather, with the pandemic delaying a lot of the rewards there. Obviously, they can't tell any of that stuff five years prior that no one, no one ever expected this sort of stuff to happen to us. So there is uh, delays and stuff that you can't really fault them on. It's it's just stuff that's happened in the world. Um, and obviously, when they delayed the game, it's only to make it better. It's not because you know they, they want you to wait even longer for some you know for the sake of it. They've actually made the games the the Shemu threes a better product for those delays. I know Cedric was also saying to you that he just wanted the game to be out there. He, Every time they delayed it, there's a possibility that it could never get sort of released, kind of thing. If that's what you meant. Um, mm. Obviously, that like I say, those delays made the game better, and we ended up with a better Shenmue three out of it. So uh, I, I think overall, considering it's come from a Kickstarter project, and a lot of Kickstarters, you know, you never hear from the the team again. You know, some of them run away with the money, or you know, <laughs> these, these these games that don't end up actually being anywhere near what they. A touting would be, um, or a bit of a train wreck, and, and you know, I, I think of like something like Mighty Number no. Nine, where everyone was expecting the next Mega Man game, and uh, I think a lot of people were were disappointed there as well. Um, so I mean, these these you can't please everyone really with these Kickstarter projects, and again, like the communication could have been better, uh, but if you think back to what they did actually give us while they were working on the game, I think we got something like maybe close to at least not over 100 updates. And uh, in fact, a lot of the updates were actually damaging them, really, because they were sharing more and more of the game. And, you know, people were, were poking fun at it because it was still early days. So the more actually yeah. they, they invited you into the into the, the studio or whatever, they the actually, you know, kind of more damage was actually being done in, in some respect. Um, for, for seeing literally every little detail of the game as 
as they were going through. So I think that that could be a reason why they stopped doing a lot of the updates uh, in terms of like where they're at progress-wise, because they just didn't want to create this kind of atmosphere where you know they still haven't updated the character models. You know what's going on? We're worried. We're concerned. Is it going to get released? You know, is it going to get delayed again? So it, in fact, it was probably better for them their mindset thinking like no news is good news isn't it really if, if they just work behind the scenes and spend all of their time and resources actually on the game instead of worrying about oh, shall we shall we do an update on, on this kind of you know that could be the mentality who, who knows really yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of point you're making there I think you, you're caught between a rock and a hard place how much do you show off and how much do you, do you leave the imagination and it, it, it was a very difficult position. I think they found themselves in with what they were having to show and what they did show and and the rest of it. And I think going forward with Shenmue 4, fingers crossed, hopefully securing private funding and we get it, you know, it gets released and we're all happy and all the rest of it. It follows that a, norm, a more normal development cycle. Yeah. Where you just do a trailer, basically. Yeah. Because if, if, if it was me now and the money was secure for Shenmue 4... And they were saying to me, right, when do we unveil this game to the world? I would say you do one press release to announce it with maybe a couple of nice screenshots. And then you maybe very, very sparingly do some environmental screenshots. You know, just little bits and pieces, wet the appetite. And then six to nine months before you're going to release it, don't announce the release date before this point. And then you crack out a trailer with the game, you know, not far off done, and you blow people away. Yeah. And then, and then you avoid all of that negative. The character models aren't right. This isn't right. There's you know, and all the rest of it. And, let, and we, what we will have to accept is Shenmue Four is not going. Is unlikely to secure a AAA budget, isn't it? It just can't. It, the market's but, not there. For it. Having said that, does it need one now? Because like we've we've talked about previously, we've got the we've got the basis now. We've got the groundsworks already been done. So what budget they do go can go straight into the gameplay, uh, fleshing out the story and the environments and stuff. And this brings it back to my discussions with Ryan Payton over the, the course of the three interviews. Is that Shenmue Three? You know, it was a Kickstarter project to revive the franchise. It was to give us a basis to move forward. It's doing that, and it has done that. Could it be a better basis? That's a, that's another topic of discussion at the end of the day. But mm. it's a good basis for us to move forward. The system is there. The game engine is there. It's like, you know, all they can do now is improve upon it, and that's all they need to do. And we've got the animator come. You know, yeah. Shadow is in such a good place right now. Uh, I'd take everything that we're getting now over still waiting for a Shemu 3. You know, we've we've got over that hurdle. Shemu Three's here, and the future of the series, you know, is it's it's bright. We take each month as it comes, and um, there's always seems to be something happening. You know, like I say, we've only just finished with the limited run stuff. Uh, they're still promoting Shemu Three in some sense, and we, you know, we've found out from Cedric that Shemu Four has been pitched, and they've got video footage of that, better graphics. Uh, you know, it looks better than Shemu Three, and. They're trying to get a, a deal with someone to, to 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 basically fund the development cycle of Shenmue 4. So we're in such a great place. I don't know how anyone could be down on on the series at the moment, really, at all. 
I, th- I think the, t- the time now for, for any Shenmue fans out there, obviously you've gone through the Shenmue 3 Kickstarter from start to finish, new fans picking the, the series up for the first time. It, it, it is get behind the, the, the cry for Shenmue 4. Prove the, prove the market's there. Prove that we, we're not going to go away. We're not just going to sit there and, and accept that we're not going to get Shenmue 4. We're in a good place here. Let's take advantage of it. Because I tell you what, if we don't take this opportunity, it probably won't come round again. Let's make this yep. franchise a success. Let's battle cry every fourth of the month until our voices are heard again, <laughs> basically. Yeah. All the communities join together on the fourth of every month for the Let's Get Shenmue 4 Tweetathon. And we we come together and we make it known to the to the to the wider world that we want Shenmue 4. And we're not gonna go quiet until we get it. No. So let's wrap up then, Matt. Let's put a line under the Kickstarter uh, discussion on that. Uh, it's been a little bit of a, a, a longer show than probably intended, but uh, we got into a lot of the nitty-gritty of the Kickstarter there, and hopefully it was a fun lesson. Going back through five years ago, looking looking through all this sort of stuff, and when Kickstarter was announced on Sony's E3 stage, and you know we didn't even mention some of the, the, the reactions to it. But, um, yeah, so, so that was a look at... All of the, the Kickstarter page there, all the rewards and everything there, which we just touched on. So hopefully you've enjoyed that lesson and um, a bit of commentary from us, us too, <laughs> reporting on the rewards and everything. So let's close out with a piece of music. This is from Shenmue 3's soundtrack. It's called The Bell Tower. And it's, I don't know if it's played around Bailu Village's Bell, Bell Tower where you'd expect it to, but we know uh, it plays in the temple uh, at the top of... Um, New Paradise is it, or wherever, right at the very top end of Niawu, uh, where the, the, the master's had his, his temple destroyed and his backer names are there. Uh, this piece of music plays, and uh, it's one of my favourites from the soundtrack that we got on uh, recently with Bandcamp and Limited Run that we, we spoke about also on Spotify, if you've got a Spotify subscription. So check it out, and here it is.
Okay, so that was the Bal Tower from Shamu 3 soundtrack, and I just want to express our thanks for listening to the show. This is only our second episode, so hopefully you'll hit that subscribe button, and uh, you'll you'll get the feed of Matt's interviews and also uh, future episodes from ourselves. Uh, if you can follow the Shamu Dojo on all social media, we're on Twitter, Facebook, you know, pretty much everywhere. Just search for Shamu Dojo, and also. If you're not already a member of the forums, you know you can get a, head over to the, the Shemu Dojo website and check out the forums there. Say hello if you're a new member. It'd be, be nice to have you join the community here at Shemu Dojo. So thanks for myself, James Brown and uh, Matt. Thank you for everyone for listening and um, we'll hopefully catch you guys soon. Yep, see you on the next episode then, guys. Uh, take care. Till next time. Ah, oh, look at the time.